Well, what is up, all of our liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Liberty at Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live Network. I almost forgot. I almost forgot that it's Tuesday, Charlie. And it's you Tuesday know, night. It's You know exactly what that uh, means. You know? It's it been a, a great day so far. Yeah. It was nice and cool this morning, mm-hmm. and then it got warmer throughout the day. <laughs> what typically happens that's your proof that there's been a day now it's starting to cool off again yeah Yeah. you just got back from parker's uh baseball game yeah yeah Yeah. did he score again (laughs) yeah good yeah sure did yeah all right and he hit the ball good 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 well uh this hour of free talk live is brought to you by dash digital cash dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction and has implemented really cool features to ensure it is undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their chain locks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering the Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. And a big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. Well, Charlie and I... Uh, here in Nashville, Tennessee, by the way, we hardly ever say that we're in Nashville, Tennessee. And that's one of them things that people love. You should say people love Nashville because they'll be like, oh, I love Nashville. I know everything about Broadway and mm-hmm. the, the honky tonks I and all that. There with my boots and my yeah. girls. We went there for a bachelorette <laughs> party and people bought us shots all night. Mm-hmm. We couldn't find our friend. <laughs> so I know something like that. Yeah. I know where your friend went. Something like that. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, Charlie and I are live from Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, We do a show every day of the week called Good Morning Liberty. And we hang out with a club called the Fed Haters Club. Mm. And they are joining us on our private Discord. It's an exclusive club. Very exclusive. Yeah, you have to prove that you're not a Fed. Mm -hmm. And And you can make comments like this. Yes, Bailey, that friend that they got lost and found their way to church. That is where your friend went. That's where the, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Probably exactly what happens yep. downtown on Broadway here in Nashville, Tennessee. Amen. That's what that song's about. Take me to church. Mm-hmm. I'll worship like a dog. So if you like what you're hearing right now, smash that follow button. That Which would be surprising button. if you did. Then you are a tr- you're a true fan <laughs> and we appreciate you. Okay. I got a couple things that I got a couple things that we got to mention before we officially get going with content. It's very important that we make fun of Joe Biden for a little bit. And so if you guys don't mind, I don't really want to make fun of him. I really just want to point some things out. And it's like a lot of people have been pointing out over the last couple days. But this trip, this diplomatic mission trip that he went on to Vietnam, uh, which they say Vietnam is a good shrimp. And so he went out there uh, to check that out. And he said, I bet the shrimp all in these waters. <laughs> and then he gave some speeches and stuff, made a fool of himself. And I cut his mic off. They cut his mic mm. off. He said a lot of stupid things. And I think it's 
beginning to become even more obvious that there is no way in Hades that this guy is going to be the president all the way through the 2028. Mm. Like everyone knows this. Even if, if he wins, it will be absolute <clears throat> luck and a miracle, a modern miracle of science. If he makes it through the next election, honestly, and so we're going to just play a few videos because we haven't played any uh, Joe Biden videos here in a bit. And just imagine America, you know, we're like world superpower. We're supposed to be the ones that are running this place out here. We run this. All right. And this is the guy that we sent that we send out there. And the people in Vietnam, they're like, you're telling me that this is the best that the U.S. government the U.S. government has to offer, you know, is this guy right here? Yeah. Well, yeah, this is the best. Listen to this story, man. Uh, my my brother loves heaven. There's famous lines from movies that he always quotes. Do my brother loves heaven? One of them is there's heaven. They're all on they're in, in their on their horses and their saddles, and there's three or four Indians in headdresses and the Indian soldiers. The Indian soldiers basically saying, Indians, come with me, we'll take care of you, we'll be everything be good. But not anymore. All of a sudden, they all realize it. it's a problem. Look, I gotta tell you though, uh, look, uh, let me put a positive spin on this. Okay, okay. What a great bedtime storyteller. Oh yeah, it'd be so good. I'd fall asleep so fast. After, you know, after his presence, can we start a podcast that's just like Joe Biden speeches well, I think that just plays on a loop? I think people that's could what use he that. should pivot into. He could work for like the Calm app, yeah, kind exactly. Of thing, and you just go to the Joe Biden channel, and it's him uh, telling stories. About yeah, and things. then you just you fall right asleep. You drift peacefully, mm-hmm. yeah, to sleep. <laughs> <sighs> okay, well, uh, but wait, there's more. There's some other stuff here. Uh, he went to Alaska for the nine for for nine eleven. Uh, as you know, Alaska uh, deeply affected on 9-11. And so he went and spoke with them. And I think he said that he was at ground zero the day after 9-11. Talked about how terrible it was. I mean, there's literally video of him on 9-12, not at ground zero. But he's telling the story, so that's fine. To renew our sacred vow, never forget. Never forget. We never forget. Each of us. Each of those precious lives stolen too soon when evil attacked. Ground Zero in New York. And I remember standing there the next day and looking at the building. I felt like I was looking through the gates of hell. It looked so devastating because the way you could see from where you could see. Okay, so that's him at uh, Ground Zero in New York looking through the gates of hell, although he was um, he was in the Senate in Washington the day after. Um, so that's that's one thing. Let's head back to uh, Vietnam, though, for a weird moment where he goes to the John McCain Memorial and he kisses it. He's kissing John McCain's... And stepping on the grass. Memorial. <laughs> well, it's... It's fine to step on the grass because I don't know if you know this or he knows this... That's not where he's buried. That's John McCain's you know, underneath. It's there. not his body. <laughs> it's not this place of rest. They rescued him from Vietnam a long time ago. Yeah. Okay, he mm-hmm. got buried uh, back in uh, wherever they put all the warmongers at. Uh, you know, whatever, whichever one. That, Somewhere I'm in kidding. Virginia. 
uh, Arlington, maybe. I bet you he's at Arlington. No. No, he's you don't think so? somewhere in family. You think? Somewhere in, yeah. in Arizona or something like that? I don't know where he got. I don't know where he got. But that part doesn't matter. The point is, it's not him in Vietnam. Mm-mm. Okay, that's just a, a piece of stone that With says something about it. it. That he uh, went and kissed. And so that's cool. That's important for sure. Uh, let's get to... Uh, we got that, we got that, we got that. How about one more Joe Biden getting cut off, I believe, in this clip? He may have a game plan. He just hasn't shared it with me. But I tell you what, I don't know about you, but I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, we talked... We talked about we talked about at the conference overall. We talked about stability. We talked about making sure that the third world, the uh, excuse me, third world, the uh, the the, uh, the southern hemisphere. This is the one I saw. Change, had southern hemisphere, third world, same thing. At all. You thank, thank you, everybody. This ends thank, the press thank, conference. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <In a place. laughs> this got me thinking like is it important to have is it important for the u.s to have someone that people can look at and uh even slightly respect at least expect them to have mental faculties that are that are working you know is that an important thing to trust them with the nuclear launch codes like if we're going to go around the world and we're going to say we need you to get with us doing this doing this stuff Mm -hmm. do you think it matters whether or not they're talking to uh an old man who just his pants you know or (laughs) can't formulate a sentence i mean would they rather be paying attention to a strong man do they want a strong man out there or just like a normal politician guy, like an AI robot, you like would Gavin say Newsom. things like that. Yeah, sexist, you know, <laughs> or a woman. Yeah, you don't. They, could, they <clears throat> probably prefer a strong, independent woman. I bet they would. Who's in touch with her mm-hmm. emotions? Plus, we could save money by having a woman president too. <laughs> pay her less. <laughs> you you know? could pay her ninety cents on the dollar. Yeah, that'd be know? way better. <laughs> yeah, one less Secret Service agent. You know, one less everything. Did you? Um, I asked you last night. You didn't see it. Did you? I was thinking about Joe Biden was talking about his story of the day after uh, 9-11 when he was down at ground zero in New York looking through the gates of hell in Washington, D.C. in the Senate. But um, he was telling that story. And here it is, 9-12. And do you remember 9-12? I, I was thinking about it last night. I was thinking. And we mentioned this before several times, mm. but it was a patriotic time in America. A lot of flags came out, yeah. Flags mm-hmm. everywhere. Okay, back page of the newspaper was a flag that you were supposed to cut out and like put up in your window, yeah. and you saw those just all over the place. And I was thinking, we might. I'm pretty said, sure the country stars already had their music out, probably immediately. Yeah, they were there that night they'll, recording they'll things. Boots in your asses and stuff. <laughs> you know, it's the American way. So I was just thinking about how nice name? that was God. to feel together and. Do you think that would happen nowadays if any kind of attack happened in America? I, I think so. Do you? For the most part. You think we would come together in the sense of a Americanity? I guess we didn't for Jan 6, which was the worst day. <laughs> I know, so it was much maybe worse you're day. right. Yeah. 
Maybe we wouldn't come together in solidarity. No, there was this moment last night during the uh, Monday night football game where Aaron Rodgers was running. Yes, he could run at that point in time. And he was running out of the tunnel carrying the American flag. Of course, they were in New York, 9-11, all that stuff. They're doing that, uh, that kind of tribute. It was a really nice moment. You know, it kind of made me remember what it was like to have a little bit of patriotism. Just some togetherness. And the, the crowd was all... And we all we knew... We all knew that the terrorists <laughs> hated us because we were free. Yeah, there he is right there. You just search something on X and it pops up. It's only 11 seconds, though. That was before <laughs> his Achilles <laughs> ruptured. Uh, don't you feel bad? Uh, kind of, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't like the guy, but... Um, I don't hate him either. I mean... Uh, you know, he's ruined my life several times. Well, so 2014 Rodgers can go to hell. <laughs> you know, I agree with yeah. that. But this felt nice. Because Dez caught that ball. Oh, yeah, he caught you the ball. You guys know yeah, that. nine years ball. ago, but we know that. he caught the ball. In fact, they changed the rule the very next year. <laughs> he caught it. The man took three steps. So I was thinking when I was watching this last night, how nice it was just to hear the crowd yelling and see the quarterback running out, carrying an American flag. And it was on 9-11, of course, in New York. And it reminded me of that sense of togetherness that we all felt mm-hmm. on, on 9-12. And I just got to thinking whether or not that's ever going to happen. Did you feel very again. proud, boy? I was a proud boy <laughs> last night. <Yeah. laughs> Little ACDC, baby. You show them terrorists, Aaron Rodgers. You show Al-Qaeda. Now, if I were him and I running out, I would have done the whole two two hands yeah. running out real quick like the Patriot kind mm-hmm. of thing. It's still really cool. I would have done the Durka Durka Muhammad Jihad. It was just nice to feel that for a moment where everyone was yeah. you know, yelling. You had chants of USA, USA in the stands. and Also, that is an unvaccinated specimen running out there with the flag. I know. I know. What can we do to get back to a point where we could all be united in a sense of patriotism? You want to bring another building down in New York? No. no. <laughs> Nate, is that what you're no. asking for? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the the country oh, you're talking being about in a mental state to unity. where that was possible. Is it possible? Is it Trump? Is it Trump that destroyed that? Is it the left that destroyed it? Who ruined it? I don't. Yeah, it's the culture. We tend to focus on what other people are doing wrong versus what they're doing right. Cause it's weird. It's so weird. A plus, I think, I think guys like Jordan Peterson and other people have pointed this out that social media has really changed the culture in a way that allows people to behave in a way that they wouldn't behave in person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But now that like, once you become so confident in that, then you do start behaving that way in person, you know, cause you, you feed the beast, so to speak. Right. And so I really think that that has a lot to do with it. Um, and so I don't, I don't really know if, if, if we have a place where whether online or in person where people aren't allowed to discuss ideas and disagree with each other, I don't know that we'll be able to, to have that togetherness that we really actually need and want. I think that we've all chosen sides so hard now that it's going to be tough to ever go back. And things have become such a cult that it's it's going to be really tough for anyone to ever go go back and i don't just mean with the right and trump um i also mean with the left and maybe their hatred for trump or their hatred for the right uh or whatever it is i don't think it's a love of joe biden i don't think there's a biden cult 
uh, but there is a cult around they have to win to uh, fix uh, democracy, to save democracy. And there's kind of a cult around that. And that's why they're still putting Joe Biden up there, even though he's clearly not here right now. And he's probably never going to be here again unless they fix this whole time thing that happens to all of us uh, where we keep aging and things keep going downhill. And if they fix that, that's fine. Uh, but if they don't, then then the president is just going to continue to get worse and worse. And they don't care. It doesn't matter that he can't finish a complete. He can't finish a sentence. He can't make a point. He can't stay up all day and work. Uh, he can't do these overnight trips to Vietnam or whatever. And then and then act like a normal guy for a bit during the day because he's too tired. But they were all like, oh, well, he was up overnight traveling. I'm like, yeah, you know, sometimes people. That's could be something the president has to do. You know, you can't just work from also from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. and then you get your pudding and you go back. There's a freaking king size bed in Air Force One. <laughs> yeah. You know, can't sleep on that thing. <clears throat> uh, Joe Walsh, not that one, said uh, when 9-11 happened in 2001, the country united for a period of time. If 9-11 happened today, would the country unite at all? That was mainly the, the thing that sparked that question. Look at the in first my reply. Doubt it. No one seems to care about East Palestine or East Palestinian or Maui. <laughs> That's the top of the mind for yeah. this guy. And I was thinking, okay, when Russia invaded Ukraine, when Russia invaded Ukraine, I know that we're, everyone's divided on it now, right? We're, we're clear on that. Everyone's divided on this idea now. When it first happened, most people in the U.S., I think, were pretty much united around this was a bad thing. Like, we didn't want Russia to invade Ukraine, you know? And then it, and then as a week went on, or as some more time went on... Except we, for Putin's puppets. Well, yeah, yeah, except for Donald Trump and Putin <clears throat> and a few other people. Like, mm-hmm. they were all happy about it. Um, Angela McArdle, you know, they're just people like that that mm-hmm. are just... <laughs> that's a joke, but it's fine. Um I feel like people were pretty much united in the fact that this was a bad thing. And you would watch, uh, you would watch the news and there would be refugees and it would be kids, women and children trying to flee the country and doing all this. I'm like, you felt bad about it. And for a little bit, I feel like we were all united in the feeling that this was a bad thing, that we all were against it. So you're saying war brings people <laughs> together. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out if it, you're if it is war. possible. I'm not in favor of war. Name. No is a libertarian war hawk exactly that's what you you want war to you only against people that aren't libertarian <laughs> you know and since everyone deep down is libertarian we shouldn't have a problem yeah right no okay speaking of russia so what are you looking for to bring the country together i don't because you keep bringing up war stuff i'm trying to figure out what it could be that's not thousands of people dying and these days i don't know if even thousands of people dying is going to fix the problem well, if we go back to you know <clears throat> martin luther king jr okay talk about love that that would be the answer love. except for when love. you talk about love <laughs> when you talk about love you would say well but the other side they're just filled with hate and so yeah we want to love and so but we you, need to get rid of all those hateful people but you gotta you gotta love it out of them you know like against their will you want to love them against their will no. forcefully no well, forceful loving no you just you know if somebody gives you hate you, you give them love in return <laughs> a weird thing you kill them with kindness i'm trying to figure out what's wrong here these days and this whole situation so you hate martin luther <clears throat> jr now yes 
I'm not. I'm not a even, fan. In his didn't... current state, yeah, <laughs> I hate it. He's dead. Yeah, you know, I'm not a fan of it. I really think and I'm being serious though. I really think that that's that's the only way that we can actually unite each other without something tragic happening. Is but if something tragic happened, all we do now is blame the other side for it like mm. if a terrorist attack to ha- attack happened we would blame biden for not protecting the border and the terrorists probably came up you know through te- mm. through tejas something like that or uh, and the left would say that it was you know maga's rhetoric like hate hate driven yeah. you know and, and that's what would happen it, it, these attacks would only further divide people i think these days i'm not sure which then they may be right because then you know they're saying basically it's america's fault Mm -hmm. i guess yeah (laughs) okay speaking of ukraine we're we're fleshing this out as we go yeah we have no idea this out i need people to tell us what the answer is this is why you talk about it you You try to figure it out how hard it is to solve all the world's problems it's tough man it's immense amount of pressure it is. It Every is. day you got to come in here and solve the world's problems. And speaking of someone. My back hurts. <laughs> you're carrying the um, entire yes. world on your back. It's a big cross. Speaking of someone who's trying to solve all the world's problems, I wanted to talk a little bit about Ukraine and Russia and Elon Musk again. And this is what you were saying, how either side is just going to blame. You're just going to blame someone else. People are still going to be mad about it. Yeah. You know, there's nothing good that comes from this apparently because it's never enough, I guess, or someone did one thing wrong. And the situation with Russia uh, invading Ukraine, I think at first, you know, we're all against that. In fact, I'm still against the invasion. I don't like the fact that people are dying. And um, Elon Musk tries to come in there and help people by giving them a bunch of Starlink terminals and giving them the service uh, so they could still communicate. We talked about this some on Friday, but this, Situation is ongoing, even with uh, Elizabeth Warren, I believe, uh, now calling for an investigation into SpaceX and uh, and Starlink uh, for their ties to to Russia. (laughs) And so the situation is ongoing right now. So he comes out there to to help. And this is what happens initially. All right, we're going to continue this conversation about Elon Musk, Starlink, Russia, Elizabeth Warren, and the main topic, which is entitlement, coming up on Liberty at Night on the Free Talk Live Network. This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Tired of the ever-inflating U.S. dollar? You can live your life on Dash instead with some handy websites. BitRefill.com has been accepting Dash for years and has a ton of big-name retailers and brands including grocers, gas stations, phone refills, Amazon, and even prepaid MasterCards. Plus, many of their gift cards are available at a discount. But what about paying your bills? Spritz.Finance can do that, and they can send dollars to your bank account in case you still need those for some reason. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash Dash.org.
Liberty and I with Nate and Charlie, and we're talking about Elon Musk helping Ukraine. So he comes out there to, to help, and this is what happens initially. Now, there's this area, this Crimea area, that Russia took in 2014. Now, I don't know if everyone remembers this, but in 2014, Crimea, uh, while Barack Obama was the president, Crimea belonging to Ukraine was not important enough to the American people to risk nuclear war over. In fact, we didn't do anything. Maybe there were some sanctions or something like that. I I don't know. But we weren't like, okay, well, we'll risk the nukes. We'll send in hundreds of billions of dollars or whatever. Like Russia took Crimea. Obama was president. Everything was fine. No one put a Ukraine flag in their bio or anything like that. We all just went about the world as normal afterwards. And so Russia decides that Crimea is part of Russia. And this is actually a red line that they have drawn. Like, this is Russia. If you attack us there, you are attacking Russia. Mother Russia. The Mother Russia right there. And you don't... We've all seen the movies. You don't do anything against Mother Russia. It goes bad. Okay. And so Elon Musk said, well, we're not going to allow Starlink to operate in this area because I don't want to risk a nuclear war or escalating this war to an even higher. Even if it's or I not, don't want you using my products to send yeah. signals that would fire a nuke or even, you know, he was wanting to drone bomb the uh, fleet that was anchored there. Now, I saw their drones that hit Moscow. That basically amounts to some people getting some some paper cuts and some uh, flesh burns or something, from what I can tell. So I don't know exactly what <laughs> what it would have done. But anyway, they didn't want to risk the war. But he still got Starlink out there for everyone else. And it this comes out in this book that's about to come out um, that he had it turned off. The story is either misinterpreted or there is just straight up misinformation that he turned it off while they were doing their like bombing run with the drones. They're about to sink the fleet and Elon Musk cracks open his own personal laptop and turns off Starlink and the drones fall out of the the sky. sky. Russia immediately sends missiles out of that fleet and kills thousands of women and children right afterwards. Mm. And so this is all Elon Musk's fault. (laughs) That's how it's portrayed. And look at this evil picture of the stories so far. He just looks like one of those evil billionaires. So this story right here is a pretty ridiculous one. It comes from the daily beast. And uh, the headline here is the U.S. government can't allow Elon Musk the power to intervene in wars. And uh, the sub subtitle here, the billionaire's interference in Ukraine. The billionaire's interference in Ukrainian military operations shows he's a national security risk. No private citizen should have that much power. Oh, God, these people. So... This isn't just about Musk and Starlink and Ukraine. <clears throat> this is about entitlement, in my opinion. That That is what... It's entitlement and gaslighting and lying. Because apparently all the people that have written about this and talked about it have completely forgotten the fact that all of those operations apparently def- depend on Starlink and Elon Musk and SpaceX. Which they hate, by the way. Yeah gifting them this internet for them to use. And the question has to be asked of where would they be right now if it weren't for Starlink? And apparently, like you said on Friday, they already have a right to it. This amazing thing 
that didn't exist 10 years ago. I mean, we've had satellite internet and stuff for a long time, but not this type of massive network of uh, fairly reliable satellite internet. With high speeds. Yeah, and with these terminals that automatically adjust themselves and like do all this, you just plug them in and they're good to go. Speed's high enough <clears> that you could fly a drone. And never <laughs> were they ever named Dishy McFlatface like the, <laughs> like the thing is. So, I mean, it's pretty cool. We've never had this before. And so they spend billions and billions of dollars developing all this technology, thousands of satellites, and then launching them up in the space. And then they happen to gift this service to Ukraine so they can keep communicating. And now it's them that's interfering in Ukraine's operations that they wouldn't have if they wouldn't have spent all that money and all that time and done all that to put it up there in space in the first place. Makes total sense. Doesn't it? (laughs) Is anyone else just their Their brains just exploding right now. Yeah. You just have to laugh. It's what gaslighting feels like. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what it feels like. It hurts in your chest. Your brain's on fire. <laughs> because you know? it's so obvious. It's so clearly obvious. But you have all these people spouting off. You got U.S. senators out there saying that we have to investigate SpaceX because of this interference that they already know wasn't interference. It was never turned on for that area. Like literally a U.S. Senator is demanding an investigation based on false information that is now has clearly been cleared up that it was never turned on in this area and is still demanding a fake investigation based on the misinformation about the subject in the first place. It's insanity. (laughs) Yeah. How are you ever supposed to, how do you come back from this? That's my question. How do you bring people together? <laughs> how do we bring? How? I don't know. We are That's, so far deep. Like I, I've used this analogy before. We are. You started an argument with your spouse, and it was about coffee. I don't know what it was because I'm holding the coffee, and then it's four hours later, and you're talking about divorce. <laughs> you know. <laughs> And you and it's is this that, like personal experience? No, is this no. a personal story. No, I've never fought over coffee, but <laughs> and at that point, <laughs> it's that point where you're like, <laughs> I just got that. Now you're four hours in, and you're like, you know that point. People have been there before. You're like, I don't oh, yeah. even remember what mm. we're fighting about right now. This like, is what like, started this, this? It reminds me of when Jordan Peterson talks about hell being a bottomless pit. Yeah, you know, that's because no matter how bad it gets. Some stupid son of a like you could find a way to make it a hell of a lot worse. That's a bottomless pit, man. And so we uh, what bothers me is how far over the top we have to go, because if people would just calm down for a second, like if you look at Elizabeth Warren and you say, calm down. OK, and we all know that definitely that, something you should say to that works. Women. Yeah, that works, that works when with you women. say that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And or, all the ladies in the live group, let us know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or the people online, whichever one it is, you look at them and you say, calm down. And so we can actually get back down to the bottom of this and you say, wait a second, how did they even get Starlink? How could he possibly be interfering and be a national security risk when you wouldn't even have any of this ability to communicate if it weren't for them spending all this money to put it up there? And that's how far this entitlement mentality goes. The problem with entitlement is that you don't appreciate anything. You don't have any gratitude for things because they're owed to you. And 
instead of the people in Ukraine, which I'm sure plenty of them are very, uh, they have a lot of gratitude for Starlink being there. But instead of some of these people, these entitled people being like, okay, well, it is good that we've got Starlink uh, because if we wouldn't have had Starlink, Ukraine would be Russia right now. And that's probably the bottom line, you know? And so, so maybe Elon Musk doesn't want to turn on Starlink in Crimea, which is considered Russia, which was fine with the Obama administration in 2014 when Russia took Crimea or whenever the, the exact time it was. I'm not up on all the information on that stuff, but I think it's 2014. Mm-hmm. Totally fine. Like I said, we didn't put Ukraine flags in our bio at that time. No one gave a crap about it. And But now, if he doesn't allow Ukraine to strike that area, then he's a national security risk. He's even treasonous. He could even, he's even responsible for the deaths of, of women and children. Okay? Like this Ukraine presidential advisor is saying. Now, there's actually a tweet that this person said, uh, I think it's this one. Yes. And look, you can disagree with that decision. <clears throat> like, it's okay to be like, ah, you know, I don't feel like he, I feel like he should turn it on for that area or whatever. But it's not just disagreement. You go so far as to say that he is a national security risk. He literally is the cause of the death of these people. He's like, he's the evil billionaire. Like you take it one step past disagreement. It's okay to disagree and be like, yeah, I wish, you know, I wish he would have left it on or whatever. I, you know, I feel like he should have left it on Mm -hmm. or turned it on for that area or whatever the case may be that you believe in. And that's okay. But when you start attacking a person personally and saying that, that they are the reason that these people are dying. Well, this we're, we're only, we're only a couple steps away uh, this is this sounds crazy and outlandish, but we're only a couple steps away from like imprisonment or or the government seizing Starlink away from SpaceX. I'm, they're big steps. I'm not saying that's about to happen, but we're only a couple steps away from a from a world where that could happen. And I hope Elon Musk has a kill switch built into Starlink, where if the government tries to seize it, they can just hit it and turn the whole thing off. And but of course, then the government would blame. Elon Musk for doing that still. Mm. But if I were him, I would turn the entire freaking thing off in Ukraine for like a week until they are begging him with all of the extra billions of dollars that they've been pocketing of our money to turn Starlink back on. That's one of the first things I would want to do. But maybe he wouldn't want to feel like he had those deaths on his hands or anything. This guy who has a stupid name with a bunch of dumb letters in it uh, that I don't want to try and say... Podolyuk is how we would say it, I believe. Mm-hmm. I can't I read Russian or Ukrainian, so... They got some weird stuff going on, that's, man. That's their alphabet. It's not even know? close. It's not English. That's That looks to be like the Russian alphabet. But something's wrong with their alphabet. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes a mistake is much more than just a mistake by not allowing Ukrainian drones to destroy part of the Russian military fleet via Starlink interference. Once again, <laughs> uh, you Starlink belongs to mother ukraine okay and anything that the person that put it up there in the first place does is interference in ukraine's operations throw the flag uh elon musk allowed this fleet to fire 
missiles at Ukrainian cities. As a result, civilians, children are being killed. This is the price of a cocktail of ignorance and a big ego. However, the question still remains, why do some people so desperately want to defend war criminals and their desire to commit murder? And do they now realize that they are committing evil and encouraging evil? As And he writes this on Elon Musk's platform. <laughs> That's true. The irony. Which he's paying for, by the way. He's got a blue check mark. It's, <laughs> it's probably gifted to him. I don't know. He uh, he was entitled to that, oh, too. Oh, God. That's so actually good. Funny, yeah. Didn't think about that one. I'm going to write a letter to Elon Musk <laughs> on his platform. So now, since they didn't allow also, this. How did this guy connect to the internet? I to send this tweet? Or to send this X? Probably sent this on Starlink, I bet. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, by not allowing the Ukrainian drones to destroy drones to destroy part of the Russian military. Now, you've also got to believe here that these Ukrainian drones were going to swoop in there. Well, probably because they're U.S. military drones. and destroy like a large part of the Russian military fleet. And now that they weren't mm-hmm. able to do that, any time a missile came and hit Ukraine, it's Elon Musk's fault because definitely. They were going to destroy the Russian military at this point, and all of those lives would have been saved. And there's no well, way that Russia would have ever escalated past this. The other problem no one's talking about that I'm really angry about is freaking Carnival is interfering <laughs> in Ukraine's Navy operations by not building battleships for them to fight the Russian military fleet in the water. In fact, we are all interfering yeah. by not doing whatever our part is, by yeah. not paying more taxes. Yeah. You know? I, I think Royal Caribbean has something they need they need to answer for this. <laughs> what about Disney? Disney too. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. What about that MR isn't there like a there's one over there. You know. They're all interfering. Every one of with them. With Ukrainians okay. victory. With Ukraine's victory. <laughs> it's it's absolutely absurd. And, and I don't understand why more people aren't mad about that. And so how do you fix the entitlement mentality? That's an issue. A lot of people are entitled these we, days. Do we protest Carnival Cruise Lines or something and tell them they should be making ships for Ukraine? I think what you have to do, I mean, this is about this is about property rights here. If you want to boil it down to a libertarian conversation, it's about property rights and who's got the right to this property. The right to the property is Elon Musk and Starlink and SpaceX. Like that's who has a right to the Starlink satellites and terminals, and and that's it. Anyone else who's using it... Like, does the U.S. government... The U.S. government owns space? No, <laughs> they don't at all. And now what people are trying to tie it to is, that, well, they've got a lot of defense contracts, and they've got a lot of space contracts. Okay, don't give it to them. See if you can get your up in the space. You're not going to be able to, yeah. okay, because you guys suck, okay? <laughs> or you're going to spend 10 times as much money. Getting your stuff up in the space. Which is fine because they steal it from us. I think the only way to fight this entitlement mentality is to take away whatever the thing people think it is that they're entitled to. That's it. Just get rid of it. Okay? And once they see that they're not actually entitled to it, that you are the owner of that, whether it is your attention or your products or whatever it is, that that is yours to give to them then they will see that they're not actually entitled to it, that they have to earn it, they got to pay for it, or that they should have gratitude when you give it to them. Mm. And that that's all you can do. Mm. And so this is a a heartfelt message. I think that Elon Musk should pull this mess for about a week. Shut it down. And see what happens 
so they can remember what it was like to not have Starlink internet. He could just have technical difficulties for a month, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> could try that out. Oh, by the way, speaking of a weird entitlement thing. Did you pull up his tweet, by the way, that you sent me last night? Which one? Oh, no, I didn't. No? I don't have that pulled up. <laughs> I don't it. have anything pulled up because I found out 10 minutes before the podcast that we were doing it. It was 20. <laughs> 15. Oh, we did 905. It was 20. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're right. Um, this is a weird one. A weird entitlement story right here from Newsweek. They just want you to know that Republicans who, who voted against the 9-11 Victims Fund posted tributes to people about 9-11. And so the, this article, which is another weird bout of entitlement, but it's kind of a weird, it's, it's a difficult one because we're all so sad about all the obvious victims from 9-11. Okay, so then you got to ask, well, are they entitled to a victim's fund paid for by the U.S. taxpayers to be given to them to pay for whatever the heck it is? Are they entitled to that because of what happened to them? It is terrible what happened to them. And then the ridiculous part on top of this. I don't like when any person's family member dies in no, any way. Me either. I'm not a fan. I feel like we say this every show, but it needs to be said that we're against death. It does. Mm-hmm. We need to say it every single time. Several, Repu- several Republican politicians who voted against legislation to establish a health care fund for victims of the 9-11 terrorist attack, on, terrorist attack on the World Trade Center posted tributes to social media. On the attack's 22nd anniversary on Monday. So, I just want to remind you, the point of this article is that if you, in 2010, if you voted against the 9-11 Health and Compensation Act, you are no longer allowed to post any type of 9-11 memorial tribute on 9-11 because in not giving my money to someone else... You therefore said that you do not care about 9-11. And that is also the world that we have made it to right now. So there were, uh, let's see, a 268 to 160 vote. 251 Democrats uh, voted for it. 17 Republicans voted for it. 160 Republicans and three Democrats voted against it. Many Republicans at the time, uh, while voicing, voicing support for the 9-11 survivors and first responders, expressed concerns about the price tag of the bill, prompting them to reject it. Uh, their votes against the bill continue to face scrutiny more than a decade later, as many of these lawmakers remain in Congress. 29 remain in the House of Representatives, 9 in the Senate. And of course, these are people like Jim Jordan. Posted, Rand Paul. Posted something about 9-11. Okay. Mike Pence. Posted something about 9-11, and he voted against this bill. All right, so we got Mike Pence. Who else did it? Anyone else? Wow, this is kind of a short article for having so many people that uh, posted against this. I don't know what the full list is. So, Charlie, can you care about what happened on 9-11 and still not want to put a gun to my head and give my money to someone who was a victim on 9-11? Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah I think you can. But that means you don't actually care about 9-11, right? I guess so, according to these folks. And so, <laughs> yeah, it's entitlement, like you said. It's the same thing. It is the same you thing. And it's, and it's terrible what happened to these people, and I think that you should voluntarily donate if you feel so inclined. Um, but the fact that we think that we can steal people's money and give it to other people who went through a tragedy... Um, 
I think is it's wrong. Absolutely wrong. I just saw the comment, the, the words on this Aaron Rodgers post. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so totally off topic. I just saw it because we played him running out with the flag earlier and I didn't notice the actual caption on it. Yeah, because he's probably done after this. It says the Jets paid Aaron Rodgers $75 million guaranteed to run down the field with an American flag. <laughs> And play three snaps. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's a good job. Okay, one more thing I, I just want to mention before we get out of here, because we're really close, and we'll we'll deep dive into this. But this is basically Christmas for me when it comes to things to talk about. Okay, so we don't have time to do it right now. But the Google trial, the antitrust trial is starting against Google. And now one of the main things, I keep seeing it like at the beginning of the article. Here's like a main thing that they did uh, that that they need trust busted here <laughs> or whatever's going on. I don't know what they're doing. Trust busters. Mono- Monopoly busting. They paid to get Google as the default search engine on people's phones. Who did the justice? Department? Google did. Google paid to get Google as the default search engine on phones. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you open up your phone, you go to search something in Safari isn't this what Microsoft got Google. in trouble for? <clears throat> basically, the same thing. Well, Microsoft. I remember they had their own uh, applications. No, but the the big the big fight was over Internet Explorer, and it was Netscape that was. Uh, yes, fighting because I remember them. Bill Gates saying, "Like I can't help the fact that Netscape sucks." <laughs> but the, the problem was that they introduced their own applications on their own computers, and they were competing with people like Netscape, who had an internet browser. And so since your computer came with Internet Explorer, then that was anti-competitive, even though Netscape, I believe they, you know, they won this case and they still went bankrupt like a little little bit later because they sucked. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, they they were still able to do that. This is even lesser than what Microsoft was doing, because when you get your iPhone and you go to search something on Safari, like you just took it out of the box and uh, you search, it searches through Google. Well, guess what? If you don't like that, you can go in the Safari settings and change it to DuckDuckGo, which is what I've got mine changed to. And that's it. Like, there's a big part of the monopoly right there. There's also things uh, like search results. Like, 80% of search is done on Google because they put a gun to everyone else's heads, apparently. Oh, it's because it's the best. (laughs) It's because it's the best. Yeah. That's the reason why. And so we'll dive into some of the specifics. Also, there's of this already case. competition ramping up. Like eventually I, I hear like TikTok search is actually becoming a competitor. I search everything on X. Yeah. Twitter's a competitor. And then you've got AI coming out. Chat GPT is well, becoming yeah. a competitor. Microsoft bought, uh, has open AI. Yeah. They're being, yeah. Being AI. Yep. <clears throat> so, that's been a that's going to be a really big competitor with Google. Also, in fact, there's, there's but you know, eighty percent equals a hundred percent. Well, and it doesn't even that's, matter what your market share is. It matters whether or not you are forcefully keeping other people uh, from entering into the market. Well, they are by being so good. That and, that's and so there's where it's best for consumers. That's the problem. Like, are they forcefully keeping people out, or are people out because they are so much better than everyone else? And if it's because they're so much better than everyone else, then we don't have a problem here. We've got the best service. No. It's so ridiculous. That's why antitrust cases are so stupid. But anyway, we got to go. Yeah, we do. More in depth on that yeah. another time. Uh, just a little teaser for you. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pumped to talk about this case. A little cliffhanger. I mean, I don't like Google. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of them. But I will defend their right to be a a <clears throat> business that outcompetes their competitors. Because I will defend everyone's right to do that. Yeah.
They gave y'all a, a hangnail at the end there <laughs> for you to hold on to. Maybe a cliffhanger. Uh, but the hangnail's fine. Too. Yeah, something like That's that. Fine. Yeah, a cliffhang is what you got. Coming up, we are going to talk about a little bit about 9-11, and then we're going to talk about this unconstitutional New Mexico gun order that, thankfully, people are defying, which makes us very happy. At Liberty at Night on the Free Talk Live Network. Eluthromania, the insatiable desire for freedom. It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. What's up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is Liberty at Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live Network coming at you from Nashville, Tennessee. We're going to talk a little bit about 9-11 because it is a very important date, of course, and it just happened. So we all know what happened that day. A lot of people died, and we're sorry about a lot of people dying, especially sorry for the families. No matter what theories people throw around about everything, The important part to remember is that, in fact, thousands of people did die. In a horrible way. And that's very sad. Okay. Like either they jumped from the building, which that sucks. I saw some of the pictures of that going around. Burned. They were burned up, which that sucks. Or they were on the plane that actually smashed into the building. You were just on a plane this weekend. Mm -hmm. Yes. I was on some planes over the weekend some without engines and <laughs> some God, with engines it was terrible some with doors um before we get into my i got some i got some stuff to say about this trip on uh on 9-11 the pictures of the guy falling from the building you know that like falling man photo mm. it's terribly heartbreaking and disgusting and i just wonder while he was falling if he knew that someday january 6th was going to happen you know like he some people don't know how good they have it is uh, what I was thinking when That's, seeing uh, these pictures rolling across my I feed mean, today. Yeah. nine eleven does remind me of the worst day of American history, which is day oh, yeah. six. Of um, course. You know, I didn't think of bringing it up that way. <laughs> of course not. Okay. It's been 22 uh, years, but I, I, like everyone, I still remember where I was when it happened. You remember where you were when it happened. And uh, I, you know, since Twitter, allows all this misinformation to thrive these days, unlike it used to when it was only the truth all the time, uh, when when other people owned it. I've, I've seen a lot of 9-11 conspiracy theories going around. I mean, tons of them. You get Building 7, you get the fact that 22 years ago yesterday, the Pentagon announced that they couldn't find $2.3 trillion. Didn't know where that was. You know, Rumsfeld comes out and is like, oh, yeah, by the way, $2.3 trillion. Can you now bold and italicize? On, on? desktop, you can. Yeah. I had no idea. been able idea. to do that for, for a while on well, desktop. How about that? Yeah. Um, Shows you how much I use X. So there's, yeah. uh, there's tons of... I'm an avid X user. Very much. There's tons of theories out there. By the way, that $2.3 trillion that they announced that they were missing the day before 9-11, which is a... It's it's just weird how the world works out sometimes. Still lost. I'm not. Um, 
at that time, I want to put that number in perspective. At that time, $2.3 trillion was about 14 months worth of funding for the U.S. government. So over a year's budget for the U.S. government was announced as misplaced. They didn't know where it was. They couldn't track it. They didn't know where it was. Um, these days, with inflation, that comes out to $4 trillion, which is about eight months worth of funding for the U.S. government. So uh, that's something to put in perspective, just so you know how big of a deal that imagine if the government came out and they were like, we misplaced $8 trillion. They announced that like today. And then tomorrow was like the worst attack that had ever happened in American history. And we never talked about it again. Also at that time, what was America's debt in 2001? Uh, the debt, I'm not sure. The deficit, I, I believe the debt was, was like either one or five trillion. In 2001, like, they had like maybe a 50 billion dollar deficit or something it was pretty small yeah, uh, because during clinton there was a surplus there was a little a surplus for a year or yeah. two they had a surplus we we still did have a debt but of course it started exploding after the war on terror i want to say the started. debt around in 2001 was like three to five I, trillion yeah, i don't remember we'll have, to, we'll have to look that up uh, it was much lower much much lower than it is right now so anyway i know that there's all types of theories out there we're never gonna know but I, I did tweet out this post that I think is actually important. Um, of course I do because I'm the one that tweeted it or X'd it or whatever. Um, I said, if 9-11 was an inside job, our main goal should be removing power from the government. And if 9-11 happened as told, we should ask why the hijackers attacked us, realize it's because the government unjustly wields its power overseas and then our main goal should be removing power from the government. Either explanation requires the same solution, and that's the solution we should all be working on together. So the point being, I, I don't think we'll ever be able to answer all of the questions that people have, and there's a lot of people out there talking about these questions. And instead of just focusing on that, if you want to make sure it never happens again, if, if you believe the inside job theories, if you want to make sure it never happens again, then you would want to decrease the power of, of the government, of the, of the state. That's the way that you would actually do it. And if you think that they attacked us because we were over there, it was blowback, things like that, uh, then you should also be wanting to take power away from the government. Let's still, just focus still the on that. Part. So it's yeah. still the government's fault. Yeah. Okay. Either I said, way. I said Palt. Same thing yes. as Palt. Yes. Yeah. By the way, I have the figures for you. What is it? In the year 2000, the debt was 5.6 trillion. 2001 was 5.8 trillion. Okay. And I just want you to know they have this from 2000 to 2018 on this chart. And they have some figures that are bolded uh, in bold letters in certain years. And mm. they want you to know that the bolded figures illustrate the growth of public debt from the war on terror, the Great Recession, and Trump tax cuts. <laughs> I'm not joking. Can you airdrop that to me real quick? I want to see that. Can I? I you should be able to airdrop it to this laptop. No, I can put it somehow. Let me put it in the podcast notes real quick. Okay. We don't have the technology uh, to airdrop between the two of us. I don't think that my messaging is signed in on this thing. Oh, you can airdrop between laptops. Oh, whatever. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out someday. Yeah, one of these days. So I did take some planes over the weekend, and this is important, I promise. Uh, this is this is important stuff. Um, 
so I did go to I did go to Denver and I had a heck of a time flying to the notes a heck of a time trying to fly to different places. Uh, it was frustrating. Overall, I would say it was frustrating. And the first time when we left, even Nashville, though you were still in, like in the midst of a miracle. Yes, it was still a miracle. You're <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. You're right about that. Um, so the first time when we left Nashville, uh, we had about a two hour delay. We were on United Airlines. Uh, Which, by the way, like two days before you guys left, they had canceled all their flights because they had some kind of computer issue. When I told you we were taking United, you were like, oh, I don't take United. (laughs) And I was like, why? I mean, they got a lot of their their, uh, planes have screens. It's only if it's like it's if it's the only option, because I've had just such horrible experiences with them over the years. So our first flight was a Boeing 737 Max, like the new planes. You know, the ones that have killed the most people in the last few years. I didn't know that until afterwards. Not America. Not yeah. America. Um, so that's important. Uh, the uh, We we couldn't take off because we had a left engine malfunction. They couldn't get it started up. And so we had to go back to the gate and we sat there for a couple hours. They finally got it started up. And so we left. And then when we went to leave Denver. They just needed an extra crank on the I guess shaft. So. Yeah. I guess they yeah. had to pop the clutch while we were pulling back to the <laughs> gate, probably, is what it was, <laughs> to get it going. <laughs> yeah. When we went to leave Denver, we sat there um, for about an hour because our plane, different plane, different kind of plane, had a left engine malfunction. They left engine? Left engine, couldn't get it going. Those darn left engines. I know. Whoever's working on left engines <laughs> needs to get fired. It's that left engine tech. I know. Yeah. So couldn't leave we end up going back to the gate and uh our our flight is delayed for about three hours is what happens they they deplane us things happen we actually ended up hanging out in the american express lounge which is called what the centurion centurion lounge Lounge. not american express well it says amex everywhere all over the place it's the centurion centurion lounge and we missed our flight (laughs) when it finally took off we got to the airport at 7.30 that morning so we could have breakfast at the Centurion Lounge. Our flight was leaving at 10. We'd go in the plane. We'd get in there. Left engine doesn't work. we eventually get back to the gate. we deplane. And the plane eventually takes off around 1, but we were eating lunch in the Centurion Lounge at that time. But that plane didn't work, so probably good that you weren't on that one. True. Yeah, I guess did so. Did it land, you think? It did land. Oh, okay. Allegedly. Yeah. We don't know for sure. Were your bags on that plane? Yeah. So we didn't fly out until 5.45. Yes, my, my bag was on that plane. Um, so when you got to Nashville, was it just going around the carousel or did you have to go to like sitting at the office? You had to go. Yeah. <laughs> and I just went up and grabbed it and left. I don't know if you're supposed to talk did, to the person didn't or even not. Check no, nothing, I just went yeah. and grabbed it and walked out. Yep. So anyway, I had such a bad experience with United this time around. This is why it's important for a political podcast uh, that I told John, the guy I was traveling with, I don't think I'm going to book stuff on United anymore. Like two planes in a row, the engine isn't working. Thank God we found that out before we were taken off. You know, at least south in Southwest they don't tell you. I, I know <laughs> they just don't <laughs> sit next to the window. It's still, you yeah. know, so uh, it's true. That's true. <laughs> so I was like, I don't think I'm going to take United anymore. Ignorance this is, is crazy, man. Yeah, you know, and um, I, it got me thinking because people like uh, Robert Reich and Elizabeth Warren and and even the Biden administration, they've all been going after airlines because airlines aren't uh, compensating people f- fairly for when things like this happen. And we didn't get any compensation over the weekend. And the, it was pretty 
two two trips in a row where we had these big delays, you know, nothing from that. And and so what I came away with is when I book flights, I'm just not going to book United or it's going to have to be wildly cheaper than the other airlines, like wildly cheaper to make up for the extra hours or risk of death that, that I could have mm. on these flights. Yeah. And so that's kind of a free market solution, right? Like I got upset with United and so now I'm going to look at a different airline. You didn't call the government no. hotline? No, I'm not waiting for <laughs> them to find them or anything like that. What I've decided is I'm going to use a different airline. Now, if enough people, if there's enough of a problem and enough people have problems and they decide that that's what they're going to do, they'll find more left engine techs. <laughs> exactly. That would make sure those left engines. They'll pay and they'll poach the left engine techs from, from Southwest. Delta. From Delta. And they got the best. Yeah. And uh, the best left engine technicians out there <laughs> on the market. Last I, have heard I, that. I read the blog about that. They said <laughs> yeah, Delta. Yeah. It was the top. Now that's coming from their CEO. But top you know. five left engine technicians uh, on this blog post. Now Delta probably paid for this blog post, I'm yeah. sure. But mm-hmm. that's the one that I'm going to go for next time. <laughs> Anyway, there's your free market. I took an Uber ride while I was in Denver. This is important also. And this lady, nice lady, happened to be black. Okay, it's important for the story. I didn't care that she was black until she started saying... Do they smoke weed in the cars? Black people? No, Uber drivers. Oh, in Denver. In Denver. No, no, I didn't didn't smell any weed. Okay. I don't know, but, you know, it wasn't any stronger than mine. (laughs) You know, you didn't smell weed while you were there. Not really. One time God, outside in the, the place. places that it's legal. It's like, you know, in Vegas, you know, we were playing the poker tournament. Yeah. Well, you just, Vegas, though. You walk outside. You're and it's not just supposed like, to tell people about this. Oh, I'm not. No, it's because it's Vegas. You know, oh, it yeah. stays there. Oh, oops. Yeah. So Can we this, cut that? So this girl, she was from Texas originally. And we were like, why'd you move from Texas? And she goes, because. I got sick of funding my own oppression. (laughs) And what do you say in a moment like that? Okay. She's driving you. She moved the Denver away from Texas. Why'd you move from Texas? Because she didn't want to fund her own oppression. I'd be curious about it. I'd be like, well, what? What was oppressive? Now, what do you think I did? You were judgmental. No, I said absolutely nothing because I knew she wasn't worth talking to anymore. (laughs) And that I was only going to be wasting my time. But what I should have done was ask her, so what oppression exactly are you taught? What oppression did you experience? Not that what oppression, not that you saw posted on Twitter about how you were being oppressed and you didn't know it until you read about it. But what was it? I'm not sure. (laughs) The goose says oppression dies out after you get to a certain elevation. Yeah, it's science. This other Uber driver we had, Denver must be a very progressive place or or their uber drivers must be or lyft actually it wasn't even uber it was lyft uh, we were talking about home prices he said it was super expensive to live in denver and we we're like yeah it's getting really expensive to live in nashville also like uh, the prices have gone up however many x uh, since we moved to nashville and he was like yeah and how much did the minimum wage go up during that time <laughs> and i was like it's a playbook it's like it's literally a playbook. i don't know but they all like, have the same playbook i i I've, now, this one we actually did respond to, John and I. We're like, we can't even name you a business that we think would be paying the minimum wage. Not, the businesses have all raised what they're paying people. Not even McDonald's. You know? McDonald's, you know, has yeah. $11. The Walmart has $11 an hour. I think they're all up least. to like 15 now. Yeah the, yeah. the fast food restaurants, you know, they start trying to compete with Chick-fil-A that was paying 15 bucks an hour. Target's 15 bucks an hour. Like, 
Who cares what the state's minimum wage is? It doesn't matter. And that's basically what we told him. And then we didn't talk much after that either. Didn't say much after that. So yeah, I'm not, it was a very interesting experience for sure. Uh, But those are my two uh, ride share driving and free market flying experiences. It sounds like you had a great time. It was weird in Denver. It was a fun time for sure. How high did you and John get? Cause about a little over a mile, a little over a mile. Mm -hmm. Okay. Something like that. So halfway to the moon. You did bring it. You, you sent this over here. Historical debt outstanding. They literally bolded the Trump tax cuts, <laughs> which didn't even go into effect until 2018, by mm-hmm. the way. Yep. Uh, so 2016 and 2017. I don't know what they're talking about, uh, but there's those statistics right there. I love that from the street dot com. OK, well, that's because we were talking. We were talking about 9-11, which spurred, you know, for me it spurred a moment of silence for jan 6 yeah you know obviously but mm-hmm. then we were curious what the debt was you know because the department of defense lost that 2.4 mm-hmm. trillion dollars back in september 10th yeah 2.3 no misinformation I'm sorry 2.3 okay. september yeah. 10th of 2001 and so they lost about you know 35 percent of what the current debt was that year but that chart i found to be just kind of funny they wanted you to know when you're looking at the national debt by year that what contributed in the 2000s was the war on terror, you know, because we had to fight them terrorists over there. Uh, the Great Recession, you know, that that excuses Obama's Obama spending. So George W. Bush and Obama get an excuse. <laughs> but then Trump directly led to the increase now did you know trump did spend too much money spent money that is true mm-hmm. you know but it wasn't because of they it wasn't because they stole less money from you it's because they spent more than they took in they spent more than they took in yeah we are as they say uh, tangled in our anchor chain our financial systems are decades old according to some estimates we cannot track 2.3 trillion dollars in transactions We cannot share information from floor to floor in this building because it's stored on dozens of different. Okay. So anyway, they were arguing really for more money at that time to modernize uh, their better accounting. They had all these antebellum systems. (laughs) Yes, probably. (laughs) All right. So the big, big thing that happened, it really happened on Friday. It happened after our dumb bleep of the week episode and it was blown up all weekend. Which is quite unfortunate because this is, you know, a super dumb. It's very, very dumb. Yeah. Uh, the there's several dumb things associated with this and then people are still going off about this elon musk and ukraine starlink thing in just a ridiculous manner but the governor of new mexico what's her name karen definitely karen mitchell or something i think karen mitchell is her name it's a real name karen no i don't know what her name is Uh, michelle I don't know. She's got a weird name and it doesn't matter. Come on, uh, live so, group. Pull <laughs> through for tell us. us. Someone tell us what her name is. We clearly I'm do our sure. research. This is the most well-researched show you're going to yeah. find. Oh, Grisham. Michelle Karen Grisham. Okay. Uh, they they put her middle name. It must be like her old last name or something that she wants to use <laughs> because it has a silent J in it. And so they want to make sure, not silent J, it's a, uh, what do you call it? A hard J? Well, it's not a, her name isn't Lou Jan. I'm sure they say Luan. Oh, it's, um, you know, so she wants to keep that heritage in her name when she's running for political office, mm-hmm. because all they call her all the time is Luan Grisham and not, not by her name. Mm-hmm. And so that must be a, like a hyphenated last name kind of thing. 
or just a stipulation that she uses that whatever we'll call um, her Karen. Karen Grisham is her name <laughs> from now on. <laughs> we have bestowed Name's the Karen. title. So she, what do you say? How do you say it? Executive order taking away people arbitrarily, <laughs> unequivocally, just decided people's right mm. to conceal carry or open carry, even though they have uh, that. In the state of New Mexico. She just decided she was going to take it away. And Magoo says this Grisham novel (laughs) sucks. This video from the press conference is nothing short of ridiculous. All the examples you cited are crimes. Kids shooting at other kids, shooting from cars. So what's the value of the civil order? Why not just do better law enforcement? Both. The value of the order is is that I'm, it gives me three things. One, it says it's a statewide issue and it's a message to everyone to start leveraging their resources and arresting people. Two, the jurisdictions come at this, including with the DOJ restrictions, differently without the leveraging and the additional resources, arresting, and where do they go? we got to make sure that everyone is bumping up their services. It's a message to the uh, Metropolitan Detention Center. It's a message to the HMOs. You better figure out treatment. We have been sort of stalled out, to your point. This order basically says, stop stalling out, and to your point, just arrest everyone. Well, I also have to have the ability, I can't arrest everyone. There are literally too many people to arrest. Well, this would allow us... Huh? If someone's got a concealed carry permit in Albuquerque walking down a public street, they're not going to get arrested. I can make the point that they, maybe they should be. And this is the point. I, I, I'm. My that's God, that's what off. we take away constitutional rights to make points. Yeah, that's I can make the point. And she's she's having a problem that a lot of authoritarians have had, which is that there's too many people to arrest. Mm. And so now what what she's essentially doing is, you know, some people have guns and that's fine. And some people have guns and it's and it's not fine because they're going to hurt someone. So now anyone with a gun. That becomes their target. Now they know who to arrest because no one's allowed to have them. And so therefore, if they do have them, then they are now a criminal and probably going to commit some kind of criminal act. And so now they know who they can target and go arrest. And it's anyone who is trying to carry a weapon and have to be open carrying a weapon for you to be able to see it. But there's more. Oh, I can't wait. She keeps going. I'm willing to do anything and everything within a shred of evidence-based effort. Because if you're not horrified that on any street corner in too many cities... Now, first off, she says she's willing to do anything and everything within a shred of evidence. (laughs) If you look at a gun. So what she means is if there is a single shred of evidence that taking away people's right to open carry firearms is going to decrease their gun violence then she's going to do it and the evidence is i would say less than a shred when it comes to this and of course most of the people that are committing violent crimes are not people who are out there you know these nice legal concealed carry they don't even look at evidence (laughs) they're not worried about the evidence whatsoever okay coming up we're going to talk a little bit more about this new mexico gun order what it means to use a public health emergency to take away or attempt to take away people's right to carry a weapon on Liberty at Night. Free Talk Live. 
So you've signed the Shire Society Declaration and are planning your move to New Hampshire to be around more liberty-oriented people. Next, sign up for the Shire Society Forum at forum.shiresociety.com. There are a bunch of people there who are already in the Shire, and they want to meet you. If you're already in the Shire physically, you should also come by the forums. Remember, not everyone uses Facebook. New people are signing up for the Shire Society Forum every month, so drop in and say hello at forum.shiresociety.com. All right, we are back with Liberty at Night on the Free Talk Live Network. Nate and Charlie, we were talking about this gun order in New Mexico. One of the things I keep seeing cited are these studies saying that concealed carry holders kill more people. And I looked at it. I looked at some of the evidence today, and it is total BS. They... They use this evidence and say, oh, well, concealed carry holders actually killed this many people between these dates. And, okay, they counted suicides in that rate if you're a concealed carry holder. They counted domestic violence inside the home. They counted a bunch of things that had nothing to do with whether or not you were carrying a gun in public. It was anything that possibly happened. Someone had a concealed carry, I guess, or whatever. Even if you killed yourself, it went down as a number that they were citing. And so her evidence is BS on this. And by the way, the evidence doesn't matter. doesn't matter even if you could present evidence that this was going to work, which it's not. Because you can't just... People's rights are not determined by what other people, how other people abuse those rights. And it sounds terrible, but I don't care if half half of New Mexico killed themselves with their concealed carry (laughs) pistol, which would be really sad. It would. I would be, yeah, I would be a day to care. That that would be a day to remember. It would be a, it would, you know, in New Mexico. In history. Especially if they all did at the same time. It's almost as bad as Jan 6. No, it wouldn't be close to that. Almost, I'm saying. But that shouldn't take away anyone else's right. No. To conceal carry it to protect themselves. It, it shouldn't. In New Mexico, there is someone with a gun sticking out of their waist or their belt. And I'll tell you, if you're a, if you're a young person, you're not allowed to have a handgun. It's a crime already. I got it. But we won't be able to arrest all of them. So imagine, just in, 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 a, in a perfect world, if this was upheld, She's delusional. All of these police officers the ability to focus on the real criminals. She's got a guy That's with a gun yeah. in his waist sitting next to her. You took an oath to the Constitution. Isn't it unconstitutional to say you cannot exercise your, your carry license? With one exception. And that is if there's an emergency, and I've declared an emergency for a temporary amount of time, I can invoke additional powers. No constitutional right, in my view, including my oath, is intended to be absolute. Were you rubbing his nipple with the mouse there? You're like Uh, circling? No, I I was just sitting here trying not to pass (laughs) out. But people could see it on here because it doesn't look like that's displayed. But I could see the full video. And Nate had the mouse hand over the cop, his left nipple, and was just waving it around like this. What she just said, (laughs) the guy asked her about this and asked, sorry, let me let Charlie calm down. The live group, I can't. I can't with the memes. This is the most important part of this episode. It is. I'm sorry. I said I was sorry. This is more important than 9-11? And <laughs> <laughs> Jan 6? All right, all right. I'll calm down. That's fine. I'll Keep stop laughing. laughing about nipple rubs. <laughs> it's fine. I'll, yeah, 
That's fine. I'll be su- I'll be super duper serious. <laughs> <laughs> calls for super duper seriousness. No, it's fine. Oh, this is my super duper serious face. <laughs> you tell me what you thought was important from that, Charlie. You know, the problem is, as the video kept going on, it just her voice just rubbed me in a way that yeah was I just turned around <clears throat> like I tu- I tuned out. That's good. No, the most important part here is where she obviously says that even my oath that I took, there are exceptions. Mm-hmm. There's exceptions to the Constitution. We posted this meme out before when you know when there's a super duper emergency. I forgot to put that in the when when someone when a governor or someone in power arbitrarily declares a super duper emergency, the Constitution no longer exists. Yeah, and they can just make whatever they just make it up and. uh that clause, by the way, in the Constitution is hidden. You know, they Which, wrote it in invisible ink. Okay. So only like if only when you reach only Nicholas Cage can <laughs> can read this or clause. Ben Stiller. Yeah. <laughs> ben in the, Stiller. In the what? In the National Treasure. That's Night at the Museum. That's what you're or Night at the about. Museum, yeah, yeah. Yeah. National Treasure is where they're reading the stuff on the That's right. <laughs> mm-hmm. So <clears throat> yeah, you have to reach a certain level of government before you can read that. You know, because they didn't want the people to know, of course. obviously, that their constitutional rights could be stripped in these exceptions. The really, uh, the really sad part about this is that she's using a public health emergency to take away this right from people, I guess. So public health emergencies, that's something that we've all become accustomed to. And I, I believe you could even go back throughout the, sh- the the history of the show, and maybe at some point in time, they're in 2020 and 2021, uh, we maybe mentioned that they would use things like public health emergencies to take away other rights as well. Um, because... I don't know how we knew that. The CDC... That ran- must have been a vision from God. Yeah. The uh, Centers for Disease Control started talking about gun violence a little bit ago yep. and public health. Mm-hmm. And so now we're Sounds using... the only thing more dangerous than COVID. Yes, yeah, it's and racism. the most dangerous thing. Yeah, gun violence and racism. I don't know exactly if she really believes this is constitutional or not, because she said oh, there's only one exception, and it's the public health emergency. She then later said that she has the ability to, um, that open carry and concealed carry laws are state laws that she has a jurisdiction over. Uh, so I think maybe she thought about that one later on. But her natural reaction was to say, yeah, it's not constitutional, but I declared an emergency, so therefore I can do whatever I want. The real crime of this video, though, I think, is the fact that this cop sits next to her Mm -hmm. and doesn't, like, shut up. I know. Like, that to me is a real crime. Just, you know, you have cowards that aren't willing to stand up to authoritarian monsters. You know, they sometimes just suckle co- at the power teat. Sometimes cops are authoritarians. You know, that is he true. might not be part of the uh, constitutional sheriffs and peace. Which is why I think this whole thin, thin blue line is just such garbage. Yeah, I mean, garbage. Who, who do you think is going to arrest the people that are carrying their guns out in the street? It's not going to be the governor. Yeah, it's going to be people that are working for that guy sitting next to her. Yeah, right now. Now she cited earlier. She cited these these two emotional sticking point crimes for people be, for the reasoning here. Felt compelled to act in response to gun deaths, including the fatal shooting of an 11-year-old boy outside a minor league baseball stadium this week. 
and then also mentioned uh, one other one. I can't remember which one. But the eleven-year-old boy thing gets mentioned a couple times. Last month, oh, another one. Five-year-old, fourteen-year-old boy shot and killed a girl with his father's gun while they were at his home. So cited that August shooting death as well. Neither one of those have anything to do with conceal or open carry laws. That's the frustrating part. Yeah. Last time I checked, fourteen-year-old boys aren't supposed to have guns already. And that's kind of what the reporter was Mm -hmm. alluding to. Like, Hey, isn't, isn't, aren't these crimes already against the law? Yeah, Like that minor already couldn't have that gun. What do you like? How is stopping law abiding citizens? This is why I like that guy from North Carolina. You know, that black guy who stood up and, you know, talked about law abiding citizens. I I hear his voice every time I hear law abiding citizens, Mm -hmm. you know? So why are you going to come at me? A law abiding citizen, <laughs> you know, the law abiding. I haven't seen that video in a while. I need to find that. That's a good one. These obviously these people were already violating law. They weren't law abiding. Mm-hmm. And the the thing that they're blaming on a a road rage incident, which is what they're blaming the 11 year old getting shot on was outside of a game at this time. I haven't looked at it. It's I haven't looked at it since then. But at the time she gave this speech and signed this order, they hadn't found the people who did it. They didn't know exactly what happened. And and since they didn't know who did it, they didn't know the concealed carry, open carry status of the people, whether or not they had legal, illegal guns, whatever it was. They just cited it because an 11-year-old got killed. And then they cited one where a 13-year-old got killed. And likely, neither one of them had to do with the people having a concealed carry license or whatever. They also talked about last month, this five-year-old girl was fatally shot while asleep in a motorhome. Four teens can't have can't have a gun as a teenager mm-hmm. um at least a handgun until you're 21 they entered the mobile home community in two stolen vehicles mm. just before 6 a.m and they opened fire on the trailer the girl was struck in the head and later died i hate that she died that's it's super ext- sad which is why she they're using that test yeah, it is excuse it's here. extremely sad uh, but you have uh, four teenagers who had already stolen two vehicles, so clearly they're already criminals, and then they aren't supposed to have handguns anyway that they could conceal carry because mm-hmm. they're teenagers. Mm-hmm. And then they shot up a mobile home, that this, I mean, which is terrible. Mm-hmm. It's sad. But what what exactly is going... What What's the end goal here if you're going to take away people's rights to conceal carry a weapon, how is that going to stop these situations from happening? The only very specific one she mentioned, how would they have been stopped by invoking the emergency powers and taking away people's rights to conceal carry? How are those situations? She's trying to say that that wouldn't have happened. No, the answer is that it wouldn't have done anything. I think she actually admitted to that in the press conference at one point in time. And, what she's also admitting to, she's saying that they can't arrest everyone. Essentially, what she's doing is, if you have a gun, you're under arrest. You're not allowed to have it. Like, that's what that's mm. what it is. So, therefore, they just arrest everyone with guns. I know what she's doing. She's doing something, Nate. Yeah. And that's more than it's, what... That's what we got to do. That's <laughs> that's more than what other people are doing. That's true. That's it. That, and that's the actual and it's answer. All, it's so narcissistic. Look at me. I'm doing something. <clears throat> Yeah, no one else is willing to do anything because they obviously don't care about these people like I do. Mm-hmm. Look at me. By the uh, way, the fourteen-year-old boy and the dad got arrested after that teen getting killed. The thirteen-year-old girl uh, getting killed and had nothing to do with whether or not someone had a concealed carry. 
or open carry like nothing at all and people always bring this up like in jacksonville they brought up the fact that that florida had just signed the uh, open carry i think or I still haven't looked up to see what it was. I say I have no idea what the law was every time we talk about this. But people were blaming it on DeSantis signing that as if the guy would have been worried from his walk from the car into the Dollar General about whether or not he was allowed to carry a gun between those two places. Mm. What kind of freaking idiots are we dealing with right now? It's madness. It's ridiculous. And the, the Fed Haters Club is coming up with some good stuff, too. Like, imagine after 9-11, they banned planes. Because um, it's yeah. the plane's fault. I'd have been fine with that. I hate planes. Or drunk drivers. <clears throat> you know, why don't they take everyone's license away to drive? If no yeah. one drove, no one would die by drunk driving. If and then just, you could just arrest everyone who's driving and arrest, assume that they were committing a crime. Actually, well, just arrest everyone that just has a car. Yeah. And they're, they're all registered, so we know where they're at. They're probably going to commit a crime <clears throat> at some point in time. I got, here's an idea. Why don't they put us all in prison? We all have our own cell. <laughs> Everyone just is in prison and that way no one gets hurt. So there's this quote from Ayn Rand that uh, I posted over the weekend and she said, there's no way to rule innocent men. The only power any government has is the power to crack down on criminals. When there aren't enough criminals, one makes them one declares so many things to be a crime that it becomes impossible for men to live without breaking laws. And that's kind of what I see happening uh, right now. So great job. And a couple weird things happened. So Ted Liu, I believe, from, <laughs> I don't know how to say that. Liu. Liu maybe from Hawaii. I'm uh, not sure. He is a crazy lefty about most things. He says, I support. Gun, well, you read some, Charlie. So I support <clears throat> gun safety laws. However, this order from the governor of New Mexico violates the U.S. Constitution. No state in the union. California. Sus- sorry. Thanks, Costco. No state in the union can suspend the federal constitution. There is no such thing as a public state public health emergency exception to the U.S. Constitution. Well, he must not be able to read the invisible letters either. No, he not. hasn't made it high up enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, sir, are not Nicolas Cage. Then, uh, this is probably the most surprising. Yeah. Old David Hogg with with the orange, remember, the orange square. It, yes. You're against it, guns. It fights gun, and seeing in politics is not against guns. He even says, I support gun safety, but there is no such thing as a state public health emergency exception to the U.S. Constitution. What has happened? I don't know. Who took over David Hogg's Twitter? Or X account? I bet Elon Musk posted that for him. <laughs> he probably did. Okay, it gets weirder. Actually, this is not weird, but it gets more frustrating. Well, the governors, like we said earlier, in response to Ted, mm. said, Hey, Ted. Blue. you conceal and open carry our state laws that I have jurisdiction over. If you're really interested in helping curb gun violence, I welcome you to join our next police academy class. And so if you care about gun violence, you'd either be a cop or you would support her arresting everyone who has a gun. Or go to our re-education camp. <laughs> so, You're just not educated enough, Blue. This is um, <laughs> Mr. Blue. And this is a, a thing that we've talked about a bunch of times, which is, well, these are state laws that I have jurisdiction over. Now, also, we've mentioned there have been some Supreme, Supreme Court cases about this. And um, might contradict what Governor Karen Grisham is saying right now. Although the tough one about that is one of the cases is D.C. Mm. It's Heller, Heller, 
DC versus the Heller? Bruins after Heller. Okay, that's true. Yeah. So that that's the most I believe that's the most recent one, or is there a more recent one? Whatever the most recent one is, I can't remember. Um, anyhow, the other thing is, okay, so does that mean that states can make any laws that they have this jurisdiction over, Charlie? I thought we were against states making tyrannical laws. As long as it fits the narrative, it's okay. okay. Yeah. What if they wanted to ban, like, transgender surgeries for minors? Or, like, I don't is know. Is that something they have jurisdiction killing over? Killing babies. Maybe it's killing babies <laughs> that they have jurisdiction over. Yeah. But no, in this case, first off, when she was asked on the spot, she said, well, yeah, it's against the Constitution, but not during an emergency. Mm. And I have declared an emergency. And now she's saying, well, this is a state law, and so I have the authority to do this. I don't think that's going to hold up, and I would love to see it not hold up, and maybe she needs to spend some time in jail. I don't know Did you see that they had a rally where a bunch of people... There was a rally. Yeah. That's a little bit of a white pill when it comes to this story. Mm -hmm. But I do have that pulled up right here. So let's look at this. So and they all were like, I have nipples. Can you arrest me? <laughs> so they, uh, what's the nipple obsession today? <laughs> you started it. Okay. Yeah. Did I? Yeah. So they had this rally and a bunch of people carried their guns in New Mexico. I don't think after a it one was, was arrested against and they did not get arrested. Uh, let's see if the FBI tracks them down and sends them the uh, fines that they're supposed well, to be getting. Well, this is state jurisdiction. That's state, true. Not federal. Let's see what they were saying. Crime is riddled, and all we want to do is protect our families, our friends, our communities. I've gone on two combat tours with the Marine Corps and fought on the front lines. I've done 11 trips as an independent contractor. She thinks she has the right the guy looks pretty jacked too yeah all right there we go oh that's good to see and it's also good to see that the cops did not come in there and try to arrest them and there's something to be said about a bunch of people that are protesting the government's order and all of them are carrying guns and the cops did not want to come in there and arrest them or find them like they were supposed to. I'm not saying anything specific about it. You just find it interesting. I just think it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that what if they didn't have guns and the order was that they weren't allowed to protest the fact that they couldn't have guns? That guy has several guns. Yeah, lots yeah. of guns. He's got two here. <laughs> <laughs> and, yes. uh <laughs> Oh, those should be illegal. You know? <laughs> All right. Um, what else? The other inter- seems like a so, former Navy SEAL, at least. Before we go, Michael Knowles, you've heard of him yeah. from the Daily mm, Wire. Yes, he says unpopular opinion. Civil leaders do, in fact, have emergency authority to suspend temporarily many legal rights. <laughs> God, did they fire him after that? Oh, I'm sure he got a promotion or something. I don't know. I have to check out and see if this is why this is exactly why you can't follow people or Mm. ideologies or anything. You have to have a principled base. And when someone says something stupid Mm. like this, who Michael Knowles usually says a lot of good things. He is a tyrant, though. He is a right wing authoritarian. And he I mean, I thought that that was just speculation. But after I listened to him on Tim Pool and like he literally believes that the right should come in and rule with right wing cultural ism 
with an iron fist using the state and that that's what they should do. Yeah. He's like the closest thing to a fascist that I've seen actually on the right and being as popular as he is. I'm not calling him a fascist. I'm just saying he does believe that the government has the power to do all of these things. To it implement just needs his moral. Whatever his morals compass. are. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's completely fine with it. He was against the COVID lockdown, so therefore it was bad. He's against this one. But he does want you to know that when it's something that he thinks is important, that they should be able to do this. Mm. And that is why we can't he have... he is right. Yes. That's <laughs> why we can't have nice things. And that's the problem. And this is why you can't trust a lot of people on the right in general, because this is a really great embodiment of the, the of head what they club is saying that he's, he's usually trolling people. Oh, like, he was that depend- might be a joke. I will tell you this. This is exactly in line with the things I've heard him say on other interviews before. And he's been defending this constantly since saying it. I don't think that this is a troll at, at all. I could be wrong on that, but I do not believe this is a troll. We'll see. Bailey says he's been consistent on this stance. It is true. So like Costco just said, if you I don't ever, listen to him all the time, if you ever listen just, to him, this is his line of thinking. And I, I, I agree. This is his line of thinking. Now, maybe, maybe we just took the bait there. I'm not sure. Did I have anything else? Oh, we don't have time for this. We already talked about this, the gun owners. You know, I like that we had a white pill. I did have it as the last thing in this stack, but we talked about the other maddening thing anyway. Charlie asked me last night, do you think we would have the guts to go do that if something like that happened in Nashville? And I think we would. I honestly do. I honestly think that we would. We'd have to go fishing first, but... Well, yeah. After that. We could need a good day of fishing anyway. Yeah. Not that there's a giant empty safe right there behind you. Yeah. Although I do see you put the gun up or... That's for just looks. Take it back to your room or whatever. That's fine. Yeah. So what were we just talking about? Oh, would we do this? I think we would, especially if a lot of our friends got involved. Would we do it by ourselves? Like just me and Charlie? <laughs> like imagine if there was no one out there except for one guy carrying like three guns and yeah. he's just walking around. The, he probably would have died by, by cop more than likely. But when you get a bunch of your friends put together, then you start to have more power than the government in that scenario. And maybe that's why they don't like it when people have guns. That could be the problem. Also, the other white pill is this, this might turn into a good thing. Yeah. Considering, well, yes. So you take one idiot leftist that invokes that actually goes this far. You think this could be precedent? To stir enough people Mm. to be like, all right, now you, you're really crossing the line here Mm -hmm. and we're not going to. Yeah. You know, we kind of, we kind of didn't show up when we should have on these other things, you know, but now you're like, you're taking it way too far and we're going to show you that you're not powerful enough. And that honestly, the white pill is Americans have so many guns <laughs> Yeah, and for them to actually take over authoritatively, I think is almost impossible. I'm not saying it is, but this is a great example that on a local level, on a very local level that they got enough people out here and even, you know, the cops were like, yeah, we're not going to, yeah, we're not going to do anything. So I don't know. I, I, I thought feel like you, I thought you were going to say it was going to be a legal precedent. Like the Supreme they, court was going to get in involved or that could also it, happen. I mean, state would have to do something first, I'm sure. But what if, what if she uses this public health emergency to take away what the courts have decided is this constitutional right to carry. And that ends up striking down not only her ruling, but, all the other times that they try to use public health emergencies 
to take away people's rights. And then that could be a good thing. Could that be could be a really thing. good thing. So yeah. maybe this is a giant white pill. They went, they go a step too far and uh, we get them, we get ourselves a little bit more liberty because of it. Mm. Okay. Well, let's go. We'll see. Let's see what happens. Stay tuned to this New Mexico. What, this, so tactical warlock said, I thought this was litigated in the New York Supreme court case. It was, that's the problem. And that did have to do with carrying and essentially they had to come up with things like school zones or public places or whatever that you wouldn't be able to do it. That case essentially said that you can at least conceal carry, that they can't stop you from doing that. And so that's why everyone's saying, well, this is blatantly unconstitutional. This is just a fresh case from like last year that just happened. And now they're trying to use a, a public health emergency to get around it. And so now I would like to see them say... You can't be using these emergencies to take away people's rights. This is a beautiful display of civil disobedience. Yeah. Which is awesome. All right, coming up, we're going to talk about the uh, Painkiller Netflix show and some dumb tweets from last week. Free Talk Live. All right, this is Nate and Charlie. Liberty at Night on the Free Talk Live Network coming at you from Nashville, Tennessee. We're going to talk about Painkiller, this new docuseries on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen it. We both watched it. I've now seen it a a couple times because it's that good. Why are we talking about Painkiller? One of the most difficult and heart-wrenching shows I've ever watched on on Netflix. Um, I thought Matthew Broderick did a good job. He did. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Kitsch, I think is his name, the guy that was in Lone Survivor. Yeah, um, he did a really good did job. A good job, uh, really great show. If you have, I thought the girl it. from Orange and New Black did a good job. Yeah, but it's not really historically accurate. But I thought she <laughs> we did can a, mention that her um, acting was good. If you haven't seen Painkiller, there's probably some spoilers. Although this is a historical event, the only spoilers you would get is if we mention a lead character and whether or not they survive the entire show. <laughs> Everything else is public knowledge. Okay, we've we already know that. So if you're worried about spoilers for fictional characters that don't exist in real life and whether or not they're going to survive the show. Put your uh, earmuffs on. Yeah, there may be earmuffs for this. Why is this connected to a white pill? It's connected to a white pill because the Supreme Court recently, in the last few weeks, blocked the $6 billion opioid settlement. And this settlement, this bankruptcy settlement for Purdue Farmer, Pharma, would have given the Sackler family immunity. It would have given them immunity for what happened with the opioid crisis. So what's mm-hmm. going on right now? Now... We don't spend a lot of time talking about evil corporations and evil capitalists and how they should be criminally liable for things or even financially liable for things. We, we typically come on the side of it's, it's not their fault. It's their, the, it's the customers or it's the government or it's the whatever. After looking into this a little bit, and yes, I did just watch the show. I can tell you. I think the Sackler family should die in prison. Yeah. And I think all of their money should be taken away and uh and given to the families and And, and I, it wasn't because they created the drug. It no. wasn't because they sold the drug. It wasn't because doctors wrote prescriptions or whatever, and it's not because people don't need pain medicine. The real crux of this is and why I why I believe that they're evil is you do have a, over a million people that have died of opiate opioid mm-hmm. overdose. And it's the way in which they pushed 
the drug to create incentives for doctors to increase dosage to make more money. I don't. That's, so that process, I don't even think is the criminal part of it. I think it's the. I think it's the lying about it. Right. I think it's so. When we talk about this, and well, I had, that was that goes hand in hand. So they lied about what the actual effects could potentially be to increase dosage to make more money. Yes. My initial reaction to Charlie uh, when he talked to me about this show and uh, people I know have had the exact same reaction is, uh, well, you know, people know better. They shouldn't get hooked on opioids. We all know that they're addictive and, and that's, you know, that's on you. I get it. They're probably evil people running the company, but at the end of the day, it's personal responsibility and it's on the people who choose to go down this path and, and uh, people get addicted to drugs and that's the, that's the way it works out sometimes. But is it really their fault? In this case specifically, they lied about knowing whether or not it was addictive. In cahoots with the FDA, by with the way. With the FDA. So we do still have the ability to blame the government in the scenario. I did do a little bit of digging on the FDA official who approved it. Curtis Wright initially did not get approved and they had to do a little bit of work on him. Mm-hmm. We don't know what work they did on him. It the is, only thing we know is they spent three days in a hotel with him. Yes. And ma- magically he refused to approve the drug uh, a few times. And then they took him to a hotel room for a few days. And after that, he approved the drug. Then a uh, year later, uh, he was a year later. He went to work for Purdue pharma, making a lot of money. So, that's so weird. No what a coincidence. Him. No tell him what happened. What they a pro- freaking coincidence. I probably just played him testimonials of people that were in pain and needed this medication yeah. because they were in pain. Or they pulled an Epstein Island on him, which is what I think happened. That's what I okay. think, too. We, have no, we don't know what happened, but the FDA did eventually approve this. And that's where the libertarian part of the solution uh, starts to come in. Because it, it is the government that put their stamp of approval on this and allowed them to tell people that it was believed to not be addictive or be far less addictive than all of the other opioids that were out there on the market. They also approved it for moderate pain. Yes. <laughs> you know, you got a migraine. Yeah. You know, take some, I know someone. I, so, okay. One day I'm going to tell my whole story, but that today's not that day, but just so you know, this hits close to home for me, which is why I was so invested in it and why it affected me uh, the way that it did. I, I had talked to some people um, that I know in the industry. And one person told me that they had, you know, taken over a clinic for this doctor. And, um, this doctor was incentivized to prescribe Oxycontin or Oxycodone or whatever, um, in the Oxy family and, uh, was even given it to like 17 year old girls who had sprained their ankle. Yeah. And then now, now that 17 year old girl is, I don't know, in her twenties probably. And, is addicted because of an ankle sprain. Yeah. And so that to me is the insanity of this, but the doctors made more money by writing those prescriptions. Now there's a whole drug pharma thing out there. Their incentive is to get the doctors to prescribe these things. When you have that type of incentive for a medical professional to prescribe an opiate for an ankle sprain. So anyway, when I watched it, it's it's to me, it's those types of things. It's not that the drug was created. It's not that people take it. And it's not that those types of things happen. It's the way in which they lied as an incentive to make as much money as possible, knowing that it would destroy people and their families. And, this and that's re- the most heartbreaking part of all of this. 
So if you want to separate out like the personal responsibility side of it, because I was I was talking to someone about it who had the personal responsibility uh, reaction, as I did the first time I responded to Charlie about it. If you take it back to like 1995, well, the people who were originally being told, oh, hey, there's this new drug on the market. Uh, it's less than one percent addictive. Makes you feel uh, great. You know, makes you feel great, works way better and everything lasts for 12 hours. And that's why it's not addictive. And so it's pretty safe to just to prescribe to everyone. And the patient's are like, okay, well, you know, it's even if you're a personally responsible, you know, you're, you're a personally responsible individual, okay, and you don't want to get addicted to stuff, and your doctor tells you that this is something that's not addictive, because that's also what they've been told by the drug reps uh, from Purdue, well, then you kind of do remove a lot of your responsibility in that scenario. Now, it's currently 2023, and anyone who sprains their ankle and goes in and Someone says, okay, well, let me set you up with uh, 20 days worth of Oxycontin. First off, your doctor's probably going to lose their practice if they're going to do that nowadays. Um, But anyone who goes in acts like they don't know that it's a super addictive substance. They're wrong. You can do enough. You can do enough research. It is widely known that it is addictive. And so you need to be very careful with these things. But back in the day when it was first released, I kind of don't blame a lot of those initial patients even, that got I mean, put even on this, 10 you years, know? even 10 years ago, people yeah. didn't really know some people did, but it wasn't as public as it is now. And now they, they had their first congressional hearings in 2001 mm-hmm. over, over this whole thing. But remember you know? they all passed it. Basically yeah. they were like, Oh, okay. Everything's fine. You know? So uh, when it comes to a libertarian conversation on this and then, um, I guess some of the white pill about it is what the Supreme Court just did. This didn't get approved automatically because they had not done testing on whether or not it was addictive. That's why it wasn't getting approved. It eventually got approved with no more testing. They didn't have to do anything else. We don't know exactly why it got approved. The blame, a lot of the blame... Yes, goes on the people who made it, who knew what they were doing. A lot of it also goes on the FDA, who is who are the people in the government that we have trusted to look into these things for us and put their stamp of approval to allow them to be sold. Now, as libertarians, we don't even think there should be an FDA. All right. So that's a weird argument to make. Mm-hmm. But I also would like people to study drugs and approve them, put their seal of approval. And like you mentioned earlier, GML puts their stamp of approval on something, well, that means something to me, you know? Now, what happens if GML puts their stamp of approval on something, says it's not addictive, and then it turns out, you know, within seven or eight years later, oh, this is wildly addictive for almost everyone who takes it for a certain amount of time, that whole GML stamp of approval thing means basically nothing. And the, the thing about that being in the private market is you would have a way to take action against that. You because wouldn't. the crime that's still going to be committed in this is that the FDA is going to hold no responsibility no. whatsoever. No. Even though they put their stamp of approval on it with the language, they helped literally helped them craft the language about it not being addictive. I was listening to a Rogan and inter- nothing's going to happen to them. A Joe Rogan the FDA interview. is just going to keep going. Uh, this Rogan interview was from about a year ago and he, and, um, oh, sorry, maybe it wasn't the Rogan interview. It was another, I was watching some doctor's channel on YouTube. He was, they were talking to someone who had done a, uh, freedom of information act request with the FDA trying to get Curtis Wright's, uh, emails and correspondence. And they said that they had been 
lost. They didn't have any of his correspondence uh, with Purdue Pharma. Interesting. Uh, so um, it is, it's weird how things like that happen. Was it with Clinton's emails? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Maybe it's on a private server yeah, somewhere. Okay. Um, the problem here is that the organization that we trust to approve these drugs fails time and time again. Well, we don't trust. They can get bought. <laughs> yeah, they can get bought off easily. Uh, they can be promised a job making three times their government salary if they come work for them next year. And then they just keep going. We still just use the FDA to approve these drugs. Whereas if there were a private market of drug approval or drug recommendation, whatever, it, whatever it may be, you have a brand name associated with this that you want to protect and our GML stamp of approval. If we approve something and it turns out that there was something shady that happened and we fudge the numbers or they fudge them and we were okay with this. Uh, well then we lose all of our brand credibility and, and we're people done. should be allowed to take action against you. Yeah. Or we're just done. Like we no longer, mm-hmm. no one calls us to approve their drugs anymore. Our business is done because no one trusts our name on their product anymore. And so we, even before whether or not there's any action taken against us, we have an incentive to not let that happen. Because we want our brand on the box to mean something right? when we do. And it it. doesn't mean that this type of solution is going to prevent things like this from happening. Um, Because, because like, look, we look in, we live in a world that isn't perfect. It'll never be perfect. But maybe, maybe only a hundred thousand people would have had to die Mm -hmm. before this would have blown up, you know? And then that way, look, you save 900,000 lives. Or maybe they would have had to do more studies to show whether or not it was addictive. They would have seen that it was wildly addictive and it would have never been used for that kind of right. prescription in the first place. Yes. That's that's the other thing that mm-hmm. could have happened. And and that was the FDA's job. Yes. To stop that from happening. Because yes, evil people exist that just want to come in and make money. They're supposed to be the ones that stop this. And they're going to have no liability for it. Yeah. Now, who does end up having liability for it is Purdue. And there is a story here from CNN. Uh, they did get a $6 billion um, settlement in their, their bankruptcy settlement. Which is up from four and a half because it was four and a half billion. I think $6 billion might include some assets and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I think the cash was four and a half. Uh, maybe it's up to six. I don't know. Uh, anyway, total $6 billion. And in this bankruptcy settlement, they're basically removed from any future liability. Yeah, they somehow put immunity inside of that. In a bankruptcy filing. Mm-hmm. They got criminal immunity in a bankruptcy filing. And so the Supreme Court has blocked this settlement and is now looking at, I think they're going to, is it September? Is it this month that people are supposed to start coming and uh, presenting the case to them? I can't remember. Maybe I took that part out. Uh, but we might see that this this family is still going to be held liable in some way because maybe the Supreme Court is going to decide that you can't just file bankruptcy and remove yourself from any sort of criminal liability in something. And this well, is a, a rare occasion where, like, if you knowingly lied about something and knew that it was going to be addictive and you lied about it, ah, needs to be something it's like imagine i sell you a car that has no brakes but i tell you that it has brakes yeah you know and then you you die or get severely injured like who's responsible for that now you could say maybe 
I should test the brakes yes. before it. But you sold me the car we were parked on a hill in San Francisco, and I bought it from you. And by the time I tested the brakes, it was too long. It was too late. Yeah, I couldn't stop. Right, that was it. Yeah. So, and I do think you know one of the things we talk about with personal responsibility is ultimately like I do think that even if you trust someone, you should still take the personal responsibility. But that doesn't mean that it absolves the other person of their responsibility not to knowingly harm someone else. Yeah. And that, that to me is a libertarian position that you own yourself. You're responsible for yourself, but also your rights in where another's begin. And you can't knowingly and will, willingly hurt someone and take their stuff. Now I'm going to tie another, what I'm still going to call a white pill into this because we're talking about Oxycontin, which is being prescribed for pain. All right. And there are other things that people use for pain in some states. All right. Those states that have been willing to defy the federal government and say that they're going to use it anyway. And that thing is marijuana. Now, I think that uh, I think that people are a little bit wrong about their feelings on marijuana. I don't think it's something that you can just smoke as much as you possibly can and you're never going to have any side effects your entire life yeah and this is why i found the white pill in this because anytime i talk about marijuana the first thing i say is that we need more research on it and it's very hard to do research on marijuana when it's a schedule one narcotic and you got to get approval from the dea and which it's they won't give essential essentially impossible to do legit clinical trials with it because one issue i've always had is that your general i'll say stoner but i don't mean it in a negative context okay but your general marijuana stoner would tell you something like this like oh you can do as much of this stuff as you want to and it's never gonna what are we talking about <laughs> they'll tell you something like that did you hear that <laughs> oh. That guitar sounds so good. I think that they are wildly wrong about this. And I want the data on this. And the uh, the Department of Health and Human Services... Why? How do you know? How do you know that they're wrong about it? I Listen, as a libertarian, I think it's best to conduct your own studies when the government won't allow you to do it. Okay, and I know people. All right? I know a guy. And uh, the uh, HHS has formally recommended that it is moved from schedule one, which is an insane schedule for a plant yeah. on the same <laughs> like, level as opiates. How did they come along and schedule yeah. a plant at schedule one? Yeah. That's <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, down to schedule. Well, I mean, opiates come from poppy. That's a plant too. Yeah. Although they have to do a lot. Yeah. To you got to do a lot of stuff. We're not but, just, we're not just snorting poppy over yeah. here, you know, or drinking milk of they, the poppy. They've officially recommended that it be moved from schedule one to schedule three. And now that's not what needs to happen. They need to recommend that it, it be made fully legal or decriminalized completely because it's a plant and people should be able to uh, do what they want to their own bodies with this natural substance. And if you go down that road, I mean, that's up to you, I guess. Just get all the knowledge that you can before you do it. And the problem is we haven't been able to get all the knowledge that we can because the government's been blocking people from getting the knowledge. Mm hmm. But this move could actually change that. This from marijuanamoment.net, my one of the first websites I check in the morning when I wake up. Actually, so, you get their email updates. Yeah, yeah. They send me stuff. Text yeah. updates, actually. I yeah. 
If the U.S. government moves marijuana to Schedule 3 of the Controlled Substance Act, as the Department of Health and Human Services has now formally recommended, the shift could have profound implications for all sorts of cannabis-related issues, ranging from research to business taxes to U.S. Postal Service mailing rules. In the aftermath of the HHS announcement, some of the proposals would be consequences are clearer than others. For instance, it's evident that cannabis businesses could, for the first time, claim standard business deductions on their federal tax returns, freed from the restrictions of the IRS tax code, Section 280E, but other matters, such as what exactly the shift would mean for federal workers, are still a bit murky. So one thing, there are all these cannabis businesses out there, first off, that can't really deal with banks because they're dealing with something that's federally prohibited they can't fight they can't use standard business deductions when they're filing taxes because you can't deduct for a business selling something that's federally illegal for you mm-hmm. to sell it's been really tough on them to uh and another to way is to go through the banks yeah so it's a, you know who do you bank with so this would not make it legal under federal law we know that regardless of whether they comply with their own state law schedule three which includes ketamine ketamine uh, uh, whatever, however you want to say it, okay? Oh, listen, how long has it been since you watched Armageddon, okay? One toxicology report revealed ketamine, <laughs> which is a, come on. <laughs> which is a horse tranquilizer. Uh, steroids and Tylenol with codeine, so uh, still highly regulated and not permitted to be sold without a DEA license or used by consumers with a doctor's prescription or other authorization. Uh, while medical marijuana might become broadly legal if the change goes through, most states would need to overhaul their systems in order to strictly align. So they talk about taxes and banking. We already mentioned uh, some of those things. The research part is what I'm most interested in. Rescheduling would mean sweeping changes for cannabis research, removing many of the barriers to obtaining and using cannabis for scientific investigation. Uh, Key's Senate committee recently noted that the drug Schedule 1 designation means scientists face limited access to sources of marijuana, further hobbling research. And this is just the thing that I want so much. And why am I tying this into the painkiller thing? Because I I think that we might have a, a natural alternative to some of this crazy, synthetic, addictive, murderous nonsense that mm. people have been taking that has been held off of the market once again, by the government who also approve the other stuff that's killing a bunch of people and will not allow people to do this stuff, which I will admit like, okay, not just killing a bunch of people. It's affecting millions more. And then destroying families at the same time, crime, all kinds of stuff, you Mm -hmm. know? And we have this thing, which is pretty good at alleviating pain, both physical and psychological. It looks like it wants to give you a high five. It looks happy. Yeah. You know, Looks like a happy plant. Okay. Here's the other thing. So Nate just said they won't legalize it because big pharma would lose big time. And I think that that's been one of the main drivers. But what is mentioned in this article is that moving it to schedule three might mean that big pharma is about to get in the weed business. Mm. And so while I'm not probably already are, and I think that they might be the ones pulling some of the strings Mm. to get this moved to the tampon 500 because, (laughs) because of the opioid thing. And Mm -hmm. I think they are moving this to schedule three so they can now get into the weed business. What a coincidence. Nate, but that's all just circumstantial evidence. I know. I know. How can you follow that path? (laughs) You know, to think that somehow this is calculated. All right. Oh, I hate to be that cynical about everything, but after years of reading through all this stuff, you know. All right, coming up, 
We're going to talk through some of the dumbest things from last week, a bunch of tweets, a bunch of crazy news stories. That's something that we do uh, all the time, every single week on Don't Bleep of the Week. If you want to listen to us on Good Morning Liberty on your favorite podcast app. Right now, we are Liberty at Night on the Free Talk Live Network. night with nate and chuck we are back and this is a clip from our weekly don't believe of the week on our podcast good morning liberty uh, we did this one remote i was in denver at the time that we recorded this but it was still a great episode we talked about some really funny stuff and uh, you might notice that it's done over the interwebs instead of in our studio in nashville uh, but anyway let's get right into that i don't know if you've seen anything about this chuck the situation with elon musk and Starlink in Ukraine. So this thing has been blown up over the last couple of days. The report came out that Ukraine was about to drone bomb Russia's Navy that was at anchor. And Elon Musk secretly ordered for Starlink to be deactivated in that area. I think they did give him enough credit to say that he was trying to avert a nuclear war. Now, it seems to be a little bit different. Elon is saying that he did not order for it to be turned off. He's saying that it was actually never on and that they requested for him to turn it on. The rhetoric over this has been pretty ridiculous. So Elon Musk said there was an emergency request from the government authorities to activate Starlink all the way to Sevastopol. Sevastopol. The obvious intent being to sink most of the Russian fleet at anchor. If I had agreed to their request, then SpaceX would be explicitly complicit in a major act of war and conflict Escalation. I think he's definitely right to not want to get Starlink involved in actual drone bombing the Russian fleet. And I believe from the very beginning, he said that it was just for communications, but it was not it was not to be used for actual military strikes uh, that he didn't want it to be involved that way. And it's also for the Ukrainian people to be able to keep up communication. Also, imagine this thinking, time. imagine thinking you have a right to something that didn't even exist 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So so that's going to be important in the next tweet after this one. Brianna Wu said a billionaire undermining the national security policy of the United States. Normal people would go to prison for this. This has been a very common thing that people are saying that basically Elon is aiding and abetting an enemy of the United States. Okay, George Takai says the Daily Beast is reporting that Elon Musk ordered engineers to switch off his Starlink satellites just as Ukraine was preparing to attack the Russian naval fleet with drones. He said he feared nuclear retaliation by Russia. Here's the fun part. It's high time we ask the question, how much power and influence does it make sense to hand just one person? I think that we should address the fact that Elon Musk feared nuclear retaliation by Russia. And what if he is right or was right in this situation and the entire planet was destroyed? Because he allowed this attack to happen. Somehow he's a bad person to want to stave off the end of humanity. McDad in here said, like the power of the president, how much power and influence does it make sense to hand just one person? It's funny how it never applies to people in the government, right? Also, Charlie, I don't know if you know this, he wasn't handed this power. He created a company through SpaceX called Starlink. They've 
put up 5,000 satellites and they're providing internet all around the world. And then when Ukraine was invaded by Russia, Starlink and Elon Musk decided to give them Starlink terminals so they could stay in communication. Some of the terminals were purchased. I think they're not charging like the subscriptions and stuff for the for the terminals. So we decided to help provide this to Ukraine. So in what way, Charles, in Nashville, Tennessee, would you say we handed this power and influence over the Ukraine-Russia conflict to Elon Musk? Yeah, so first of all, he gave it away, basically, as you said. And then somehow now he owes them... Yeah, to keep it going makes a lot of sense. You know, when you give a gift to someone and there's there's other things that can be done with that gift, like it's now your responsibility since you gave the gift, you know, to keep doing that for that person. That makes total sense, right? Definitely. And Paul here says, I have days like this, too. Mm -hmm. Right now, I'm feeling pretty optimistic because I default to optimism. But Paul says, uh, I used to believe we could turn things around. I'm more and more rooting for the collapse. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that way quite a quite a bit. I'm not really rooting for the collapse, but I have that attitude or that feeling about things pretty often, actually. I'm not rooting for the collapse, but I do have a hard time actually seeing how it's not going to happen. Part of you is like, okay, if we just get the collapse over with, we could start the rebuild, even though it's going to be terrible for, you know, maybe the rest of our lives, but maybe our children or our children's children will have something decent. But there's no guarantee that the rebuild is going to be rebuilt in the original American constitutional governance or even anything with more freedom than that like unless we pass the rebuild reback rebetter plan the rebuild back also better reback re Uh let's make fun of some climate people real quick this is when the hurricane was going through florida climate defiance says as we write florida as we write they need a they need a comma there (laughs) as we write florida are they sending letters to florida they are currently writing thank you notes what's happening is it the whole state i think what they meant to say was as we write like as we speak, mm-hmm. Florida is getting battered. 30 counties have issued evacuation orders. Roads have been turned into rivers. Vehicles flipped. Homes flooded. Delicately assembled lives upended with disarray and despair. How can this go on? The scariest environment imaginable is what was happening in Florida. The scariest environment yeah. imaginable. What they have fully morphed into is any time the weather is bad, they officially say that this is climate change. And this is a great example because Florida had a category four hurricane, not an unheard of event, Charlie. No, as um, this is probably, I think this is the first time a hurricane has ever struck the United States. <laughs> it's the first, yeah. And that's, that's because what, of climate change. That's what it sounds like when, the, when you read this tweet, like, like this has never happened in the history yeah. of earth ever. It's the first cyclone coming off the ocean. To hit yeah. Florida. Never happens. It's, it's no. ridiculous. And so, therefore, we need to give the government more money, and then they will never have the opportunity to post about a hurricane in Florida again. So, back to the comment earlier about, you know, wanting to see the collapse. What if, instead of, you know, wanting to see the collapse, we we just give, you know, the woke left and climate, whatever, all of these alarmists, just, let's give them what they want with the caveat that, you know, you have, whatever, five years. And if everything you've demanded, we're going to give that to you. And if things don't change in five years, then you have to, you have to go away. 
They would just say that they needed six years. Hey, explain this tweet thread here from Nina Turner. All right, so Nina Turner tweeted this statement that says only free. And I think this might be from somebody we recognize, but that, you know, our name was blacked out. I say our, the person or entity's name was blacked out because Nina doesn't want to give anybody credit anymore. They said only free competitive markets can provide these things in a high quality, affordable manner with good service. The greater the government interference, the worst overall combo of quality service and price. And that was in response to her saying everyone deserves the dignity of living of a living wage, safe housing and health care. Everyone deserves. And so uh, she quote tweets this and says free markets always become non-competitive. They made a board game about this and she's referring to monopoly. I really like that her evidence for how free markets always become non-competitive is a board game called Monopoly. <laughs> like that's exactly what her economic theory is coming from is the fact that there is a board game that has mm. a fixed amount of spaces on it and a set amount of rules called Monopoly. And that is Nina Turner's understanding of free market economics. Yep. And by the way, you guys know the only way a monopoly can actually exist is if they have the assistance of someone who has the authority and free range use of violence against other people with no consequences. Mm -hmm. So the only way that you can compel people uh, to not start a business against you is if you have other people that either make it really difficult or actually tell you, no, you can't. There's been a lot of people that have done a lot of great content on this. But when you look at the early 1900s or the late 1800s, and people will point to Vanderbilt, Rockefeller, Rockefeller. Carnegie, all, all of these people, and they'll say, well, that's what happens when we have a totally unregulated free market. But if you actually go back and you look at what was going on during those times, they were heavily using the government to restrict people that wanted to compete with them. They were some of the first people that were using the government to hold out their competition. And so even those were still aided by government regulations and government power and control. I have a hard time thinking of an actual monopoly that has developed without using government coercion to restrict their competition. And the thing is, if you're not using government coercion, you can't have the monopoly for long because competition will come into the market. If you're going to raise your prices up, well, you're going to entice competitors to come in. If you're price gouging, you're charging too high a price or it's your margins are way too fat. Well, someone else can come in and charge lower margins and still make good money. That's actually what happened in the late 1800s and early 1900s as as well. There's like no evidence of this idea that people are going to come in and destroy all their competition and then jack up their prices way high and charge people way too high money. Walmart gets blamed for putting people out of business, but it's just because they keep their prices really low. They never tell me the Walmarts that have gone and jacked up their prices by 300 percent. Now that all the mom and pop shops went out of business or the Walmart cops show up to the mom and pop stores and like force <laughs> yeah. them out. Nina Turner's argument is that there is a board game called Monopoly. That and proved. that's why we have to have government regulations. I'm going to skip over to Elizabeth Warren here. I guess this is number four. There's this new push and some people might think this is a great idea. This new push for the IRS 
to allow this free tax filing tool. And so you'll be able to go to the IRS's website and you can use this free tax filing tool, I guess. Now, what's what's interesting is I don't think that means it'll do your state taxes. I think it's just going to be federal. And then the funny part about that is that you're most everyone. I never have to pay for federal taxes to be filed. It's always the state taxes they charge you for. And there are no state taxes in Tennessee. So we're fine when it comes to that. But anyway, anyway, she wants the IRS to create this tax filing tool that's going to be free, paid for with your tax dollars, which means it's free. And she says the average American spends $140 filing their taxes. But next year, the IRS will finally start piloting a free tax filing tool. Of course, big tax prep companies want to stop it. But our government shouldn't work for them. And I'm working to get this plan over the finish line. Okay, there's one big glaring problem I saw with this. And... That is that the demon here is that Americans spend $140 filing their taxes. Uh, It's not the taxes, which you have no choice in the matter of and are likely much, much more than $140 for you to file. But of course, the, the enemy here, the evil entity, are the tax prep companies, which charge you for paying your theft to the U.S. government. And so that's an annoying one. And now what a lot of people are talking about is, that eventually they're just going to, Charlie, we've mentioned a bunch of times that why don't they just tell you how much you owe? That way there's no confusion about it, right? Like the more we lost Charlie, I don't know, he's gone. Sorry, I had to send something. Go ahead. Mm. We've talked a lot about how, why don't they just tell you how much you owe? That way there's no confusion about it. We don't have to worry about getting fees or getting arrested or, uh, you know, you owe the money and you find out several years later and you get a bunch of trouble Uh, why don't they just tell us? I'm not a fan of that the more I think about it because that means they'll have to have unprecedented access to all of your information, all of your income information. Not that they don't already have access to it, but imagine imagine the mechanism to where the IRS could tell you exactly what you owe. What amount of privacy would they have to constantly violate of yours for them to tell you exactly what you owe. Uh, so that actually sounds pretty bad. And I like Costco's idea. He says, what if we just get rid of taxes? I think that's a good way. And I don't know if Elizabeth Warren just hasn't thought about this, but if you're worried about Americans spending 140 bucks filing their taxes, and then you want to use taxpayer money to create a free tax filing tool, you could skip that whole process by just not having the taxes. And then we'd save a bunch of money. Did you hear about this Enrique Tario being sentenced to 22 years in prison? The guy who was running the Proud Boys? No. Yeah. He got the longest sentence out of Mm. all the Proud Boys. Here's the kicker, Charlie. He wasn't even there on January 6th. (laughs) He organized it. He was the mastermind. He was the mastermind. He was the one that suggested taking a flagpole. (laughs) You know, (laughs) on top of that, he was an FBI informant (laughs) and he gets 22 years. So maybe he deserves it for being an FBI informant. I don't know Mm -hmm. this situation. It's four or five of these guys that have been charged and given pretty crazy sentences right now. (laughs) Carl said it makes sense. He was actually behind everything, you know, working (laughs) for the FBI. (laughs) Yeah, He was in the direction. Yeah, I guess they're admitting their wrongdoing right now. Um, can we say that on YouTube? I'm not really sure. Mm, I don't know. <clears throat> but, um, well, the 
me asking that probably just flagged their AI system to go back and check that, I bet. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> the ridiculous nature of this. Also remember, none of them, there were no armed individuals. Okay, now Proud Boys is like a pseudo, like a militia organization kind of thing. You know, <clears throat> you know, no one was carrying their rifles or anything. Although on Jane 6, we were told that there were people armed with guns and stuff there. There weren't. And so he organized people to go to a protest unarmed. And apparently some of the Proud Boys members were some, some of the first people to tear down the police barriers, barricades. And so therefore, at his direction, although there's no proof that he told people to go in there and riot, he did text them. I think he said something like, don't effing leave, something like that after everything had already started. That was about it. So he gets this seditious conspiracy, obstruction of justice, and they added a a terrorism upcharge to it. Now, this is a terrorism upcharge for a person who didn't even have any weapons and who was not there and gets 22 years in prison because he texted some people once they were there not to leave. I mean, literally, dude, like this is it. That's the basic... The basic principle of the United States is not innocent until proven guilty. It's just <laughs> automatically guilty by association. Mm-hmm. You know, now he probably would have got 50 years if he was white. Um, unfortunately, or I guess fortunately, you know, because then he would be even more guilty. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm wondering, they're still putting brown people in prison. I know, you know, sucks. And the, the, uh, the other white guys got less prison sentences actually. So racism still in the justice system. Yeah. The the crazy part, so if they they had this grand plan to go in there and disrupt the proceedings like from the get-go, that's what they're going to do. Then I wonder why they didn't why did they do all of these people separately? Why didn't they just use a RICO charge against them since they were conspiring as a criminal organization to go in and overturn the election or disrupt the official proceedings? And then you could say, well, he was the mastermind behind the whole thing. There was this big conspiracy to get all of them to go in and Unfortunately, they didn't use that. And I think because that's total BS and they just felt like he's the leader of the Proud Boys. So they have to charge him. They have to get 22 years out of him. And this is what you get. Now, we don't agree with January 6th. We don't. I think it's a terrible date. I think we should just go f- straight from January 5th to January 7th. I've never liked the date. Like the 13th okay. floor in a hotel. Yeah. Skip yeah. Right over it. Exactly. Yeah. So we've never agreed with January 6th. Yeah. At, <laughs> at all. In fact, there are several other dates that I'm against. Uh, but anyway, we'll talk about those at a later time. This is what I think. There are two things going on. One, this is what happens when you try to stand up against your government. All right. Now look at these guys. They got 22 years. One of them got 17. Some got 18. A uh, bunch of years in prison. This we talk about happens. this in like third world countries about how they use political power and jail and all that, you know, to to jail these people. And we talk about how horrible that is in all these other countries. And it's happening right in front of our nose. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that well, they're making an example out of the leader. Just like. They are making an example. So you're aware if you, you know, lead a group and that group ends up doing something like breaking a window at the Capitol or staying in a building that you're not supposed to be in. We're not really 20 years. Yeah. In prison. We're not concerned. Like if you burned buildings in the middle of downtown in some big yeah. city or anything, well, if you do it for the right know. reasons. Yeah. 
That's the problem. And the problem here is that they were against the government. And this is what you get. The other thing is, the more of these cases they give and the more convictions they get, the more January 6th is becomes like a legal insurrection in the legal playbooks because of all these things that happened. And therefore, the more the higher chance they have of being able to use this 14th Amendment thing against Donald Trump. And so if no one goes down for seditious conspiracy and plotting to overthrow or whatever, if no one goes down for that, then that means it didn't happen. And therefore, they can't use the 14th Amendment thing against Trump. And so they've got to, they've got to get these people actually going down for the thing that they're saying happened, and then they get him for the mastermind behind the whole thing, just like they got this guy for being the mastermind for what the Proud Boys did. So they are possibly still building this towards something crazy. And as Carl from the live chat said, it builds, you know, case law and precedent. So that could be, yeah, definitely could be an element to this. Let's go to something funny to end this. I want to let you know now you're a little, we're a little too far away, but there's going to be brought to you by the Alliance for Human Services and Highland Park and Family Focus. Um, There's going to be a poverty simulation event on Saturday, this coming Saturday, Charlie. Now, if you have time and you you need to make sure you plan that well, because this poverty simulation event is from 9 a.m. to 1130 a.m. at Highland Park. Is this uh, like which, is this like what the Christians used to do with Judgment Day, you know? Judgment Day. <laughs> Simulate <laughs> heaven and hell and, you know, the, the yeah. crash. Yeah, it's just you like never that. never know what's going to happen, you know? So let us know what this announcement from City of Highland Park says, Chuck. All right, they say the city of Highland Park is partnering with the Alliance for Human Services, Family Focus, Marine Township, and the Highland Park Community Foundation to host a poverty simulation event to increase residents' understanding and awareness of what it is like to live in poverty in Lake County. The simulation will be held on Saturday. We already talked about that. Participants in this immersive experience will begin to experience <laughs> what a month in poverty feels like in two and a half hours. <laughs> the situations in which they do not have enough resources and are forced to make difficult choices that can negatively impact them and their families. The outcome is increased awareness of the need for resources to support those living in poverty and to create a more resilient health, human and education sector in our local area. Participation is free, but registration is required. Why would they make it free? I don't know. If it's poverty simulation. Well, I guess like I mean, basically you shouldn't even be. A, well, that's where the poverty simulation starts because they know you wouldn't be able to pay for it. Right. You shouldn't be you able know, to you, you shouldn't be able to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So that's why it's free. So what are they going to do? I mean, like, <laughs> hey, can I get it's two and food? a half hours? Like, can I get some food? And they're like, no, can't have any. <laughs> just make sure you eat breakfast beforehand and make <laughs> lunch reservations at noon afterwards yeah. and you'll be yeah. good. And just to clear the air. We're not laughing at anybody that's in poverty. Nate and I have both been in poverty for many mm-hmm. years of our lives. Okay. Like, it's not saying that people that are in poverty don't struggle because, you know, back in the day, they had to make some tough decisions, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, do I eat like lunch and dinner or like do I save some of my lunch for dinner because I want to eat lunch tomorrow too? I never had any food insecurities. I'll, I was uh, never insecure say. about it. But we it were in a position where we had to choose between mowing the yard and shooting up heroin. And so, no, we weren't in that either. 
but it was a trailer park. So I'm sure I, I felt that that was what a lot of people were going through. A lot of my neighbors. And that's what the neighborhood felt like. I wonder if you get like a badge. After, is it like an escape room kind of thing where you get to take a picture outside of it? So you get a, the thing that says like, I survived poverty. Uh, you know, you get like a badge or whatever and yeah. they'll post it on the website. I don't know. I want to see people taking pictures from this thing and oh gosh, this is great. Here's this is what happens when we've got it so good as a society and not that everyone has it so good. We're, we've done so well that we have to simulate that create an immersive poverty experience for people for two and a half hours so they can feel like they did something, you know, like they seen a thing or two mm-hmm. after that, you know, for this yeah. purely fabricated setup event. All right, folks, that does it for Liberty at Night with Nate and Chuck on the Free Talk Live Network. For this Tuesday, we will be right back just as we are every Tuesday. Or you can listen to us every day of the week on your favorite podcast app. This is Mark Edge with Free Talk Live. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com is one of the best real estate agents I've ever worked with. I've been through about two dozen real estate transactions in my life, and I feel like I know what I'm doing, but there's always the things that you don't know that you don't know. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com found a problem with the house that I was buying that ultimately saved me $65,000. He's a consummate professional, holds his people to his own high standards, and I would unequivocally recommend him for any real estate purchase in New Hampshire. Don't sell yourself short. Contact PorcupineRealEstate.com.